And we are back. This is a special episode of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast. This is your host, the almighty Skull Crusher. And here's the situation. Actually, there's many situations today. Many situations. Situation number one, we're back doing a special episode because we promised, although I don't remember ever promising this, that we would do one more episode if uh, Colombian ever won the Tour de France. And then, of course, as everybody knows, that happened last week. That's situation number one. Situation number two is that we already recorded this episode once last Monday, but because technology fucking sucks, um, the episode got lost. Actually, no, I can't really say. My track of the episode, my part of the episode, got uh, lost. It didn't. I don't know, whatever. There was an error and whatever. So we have to end it up. We ended up having to re- record it. So that's the situation. And third situation, let me welcome to the podcast the lovely Natalia. Natalia, how are you doing? I am very good. I'm actually excited to be talking to you guys again. <laughs> we just talked on Monday. <laughs> ah, I don't know. I have been missing you so much. <laughs> and then, of course, the other Colombian to finish the Colombian trio is my brother Klaus. Hello. I'm happy to be talking to you guys and have the same conversation. I'm sure it'll be different. <laughs> I, don't but, yeah. I don't think we're going to have any of the same conversations because yeah. so much yeah. of this stuff just didn't... If we can remember what we said on <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But a promise, yeah. uh, I guess we made a promise, so here we are. Yeah. Yes, well, Mike is not here, Klaus, so I guess you get to say that you are better than him. Just take the opportunity. Of course I'm better than Mike. Where is Mike? No one even knows. He's lost into the void of uh, where the track of my brother's podcast went. Exactly. Um, So I wanted to uh, actually say that um, something else that I wanted to say was that the sound quality of the episode may actually be not as good as what you're used to because all my stuff, including my microphone and my good headphones and everything, are actually packed away because I am moving back to the East Coast like next weekend. Uh, so it's been a little crazy around the house, but this is how much we respect the listeners that we actually wanted to do this. Actually, last night I told my wife, like, oh, is it okay if I record the podcast tomorrow because, uh, you know, it didn't record on Monday and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah, but why do you do it? And I was well, you know, we promised. She's like, who cares? I was like, well, I do. Why? You don't know any of those people. Who cares? It's customer service, man. Yeah, but customer service are people that have never been our customers. But you know what I mean? Plus, you know the Colombian saying? Lo prometido es deuda. That's right. That that is promised is debt. So we have a debt with these people that we've never met before. So here we go. In the spirit of full disclosure, I am not drinking beer today, you know. I am actually drinking Bullet Bourbon Frontier Whiskey. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And I drink bourbon the main day was the way that it was meant to be. Room temperature on its own. That sound was insane. I'm guessing that was the cap or whatever. What was the that? Cork. I was what? so... Oh. I just finished a small glass of Tang in full disclosure, and I'm not kidding. I was not. Tang? Yeah, because here's the thing. As you guys know, when you 
grow up in Colombia, you have choices of a million different fruit juices every day. Never tang. Like, no parent lets you drink tang. Like, actual fruit juices. Yeah. Like, from fruits. Americans would die if they saw... I mean, they would just be very angry and bitter about their upbringing if they knew what was happening in Colombia in terms of fruit. But now, as a Colombian uh, adult, I rebel and I drink tang every once in a while. (laughs) Do your mouth... Does your mouth get all orangey? Like, teeth and and tongue included? Yeah, well, but I... with my older age, I've started to water it down a bit, so it's not so orangish. And that's actually what I put in my uh, bike in my water bottles. Uh, sometimes I put a little oh, bit. I of thought you were gonna say that's what I put on my bike. Like instead of washing it, I just put tang on it. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I love that sneaky feeling it has. Tang that's is good. I think I was um, I was kept away from it as a child, so now I rebel. Now, Klaus, powered by tang. That's right. In Colombia. Not only is there in Colombia like a ton of fruits that there isn't here, but the idea of like fresh made juice is just as common as a salad here or something. Well, clearly, because we don't even call it fresh. You just call it juice. Juice. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. With a ton of sugar, though. It's so exotic. I remember when I met my in-laws and I was telling them all the fruit juices that, you know, like it's just normal for us to drink. And they were like, what I looking at me is like i'm not coming from the moon <laughs> this <Yeah>. actually happens <laughs> where i come from it's like you can I mean, drink the juice of a fruit <laughs> you can so probably funny. make fruit juice from enough fruits to do two weeks without repeating a fruit right i mean if you think I about think it more i'm yeah, just thinking off the top of my head mora tamarindo mango guayaba uh, Mandarina, Lulo. tomate de árbol, Lulo, mandarina, Lulo, naranja, Uchua, Uchua. That's Freya. already right there. Piña, zapote, guanábana, banana. 13, 14. Did you say zapote? Yeah. That's 15 right there. So that's two weeks. And we're not there. trying. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I mean, yeah. Man, you're making me homesick now. <laughs> maracuyá. We didn't even say maracuyá. My favorite. Granadilla. Food. Even though it's not very oh, good. Then you can't make juice out of granadillas. Yeah, of course. You put it through you the can. strainer. Of course uh, you can. That yeah. sounds disgusting. I don't know that I ever And then, um, but uh, Natalia, when you Tomate feel homesick. Arbol. Tomate de árbol. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Natalia, when you feel homesick, just have a little tang. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Or Milo. Yes. Well, I'm Milo, actually, you'll feel Milo gives you energy. The goalpost is set by you or something like that. <laughs> oh, my God. Milo's pretty popular in Europe, right, as well, I think? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So some other people I don't people know about in know. England, but definitely in Europe, in mainland, in okay. Spain, and in Portugal, I know that. But, you know, actually, that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, you know, moving back to uh, New York is, um, well, you know, the suburbs of New York City, if you will, because I'm an adult. Um is there is a popsicle stand place um, up there by where I'm going to live that is to die for. And every fruit that we just mentioned, they have popsicles of that flavor there. Is it? It's run by a, by a couple of Colombians and a Venezuelan. And um, uh, I think Ecuadorian. It's, Port- it's in Portchester. If anybody knows where Portchester is, like right by that big movie theater or whatever. Ecuadorians oh. are also really into paletas. But um, now that we're giving away uh, 
tips about eating. If anyone lives in the greater Phoenix area, there's a Colombian hot dog place that is fantastic. And yes, there's such a thing as Colombian hot dogs, and they even have vegan Colombian hot dogs. And Do uh, they call them Colombian hot dogs? Or yeah, perro caliente Bogotano Colombiano. hot dogs. No, they call it Colombian. Because, okay, because, I mean, they were, those, that kind of hot dog was definitely born in the northern part oh of yeah no and the guy used to live right by it so he he brought it from that place and if in case anyone's wondering some of the primary ingredients are ground up uh pineapple and crunched up potato chips as a topping and don't hate on it that till you try delicious. it yes what was try what it. was the name of that hot dog Alfon place Alonsin. 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 oh Alonsin. Yeah. and then Alonsin. there's the other one uh Oh, what was the bigger Edgar. 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 And I think they have um, a stand in uh, in North Miami Beach. Oh, really? Get out. I know yeah. that they have one in the stadium in Bogota, and that's awesome because you get to go to the game. Yeah, because I eat the best. Yeah, La Perrada Edgar. It's uh, in Atlantic Heights. I was there. It's in Miami Beach, so it's in Collins Avenue, but. Yeah, I, it feels it's weird, and I, I didn't like that. So, calidad de exportación. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Oh my god, it feels weird to try to replicate what we recorded on Monday. But I know mm -hmm. the first thing I said, cycling related, was that I had heard that everybody was referring to Egan Bernal as being from Bogota, even though Egan Bernal is from Sipaquira, which is. That's right. Not yes. really even a suburb of Bogota, but like a, a, a city that is a little bit farther out. Um, a small Bogota, town. I don't think. What's that? It's a little town. I mean, it's it, kind I say, of a city. Yeah, did I say town or did I say city? City. I mean. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's a town. Yeah, it's a town. Um, still with the colonial setup of the center plaza and the cathedral. Yeah, and yeah exactly. The cathedral Nobody is made out of red a, brick, which is bizarre. Yeah. Very cool. Nobody would call it a like suburb of Sipaquira, but I mean of Bogota. But if you said like, let's go to Sipaquira for like a weekend, like a Saturday for some kind of festival or something, it wouldn't be a big deal. It's like maybe a forty-five minute and one hour drive once you're outside of the city. However long it takes you to get to the edge of the city, that's the, that's the thing. that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Klaus, I think, proceeded to give a little bit of a description of the main tourist attraction situated in Sipaquira. Yeah, the it's uh, food, 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 and Papa Criollas. Dude, but right before by we talked about Papa Criolla, he's you, just being funny. I know. Let him be funny. <laughs> no, of course, the thing that they're known for is a salt cathedral that's carved into the mountain in an old, still partially active salt mine. But the most important thing, as my brother open up, opens up another bottle or something. Is I'm just taking swigs right out of the bottle, dude. Potatoes oh. right outside. Dude, oh, my goodness. We are gracious. doing History Channel here, and you're just interrupting. <laughs> dude, I'm interrupting. I'm drinking 40% ABV friggin' bourbon here. It's worth the interruption. Oh. All right, go ahead. But, yeah, um, Sipakira, yeah, I guess it's, it's where Egan Bernal is originally from. I would imagine that he's lived in Bogota for some time in his life, but... Um, but yeah, that's where he's actually from, and that's what the town is known for. For me, potatoes. But yes, also the Salt Cathedral, which if anyone is in visiting Bogota, is I think well worth the um, the trip. 
the trip out. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 gonna be on like you know if you go to like TripAdvisor or whatever, the top the ten things to do in Bogota. I think that the cathedral's probably in there. So yeah. it's a day trip, imagine, and you can lick the walls. We mentioned that last time too, because they're salt. So. We mentioned the licking of the walls, and never mind the fact that six thousand uh, tourists and children on school trips have done it. It's uh, it's fun. Well, not only. Not only have they licked the wall, but they've probably everybody's placed their hand on the piece of wall that you have licked. But it so that's really why it tastes salty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, it's not the fact that it's yummy. actually made of salt. <laughs> well, but so I, I mean, it. it's amazing. It's 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 very. Um, what's the word I'm thinking? Not imposing. Is very. I mean, it's it's incredible. You're in a mine, and the way that all the stuff is lit, and if you're Familiar with Catholic churches, you know, when you're going down the aisles on either side, usually on um, the stained glass, is the 12 stations of the cross. So the 12 things that Jesus did on his way to being crucified. The way that these guys do it is as you're going down the, like, literally downhill inside of the mine as you're walking into the into the mine thing. They have these things on the side that are lit, these crosses that are lit. It just, it looks like the awesomest photo of the awesomest black metal band ever because they're lit in purple and like backlit and it's just the way that it's, it's just amazing it's just an amazing 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 experience and when i was there with my wife a couple of years ago you can take a like for a little extra money i can't remember how much it is you buy a ticket and then like a guide takes you into the actual mine and then they give you like a pickaxe and then you get to like pick the shit out of the wall and then take out a chunk of salt and they give you like the little helmet with the little light and everything. So you get like really cool f action photos, you know, if you're like using this pickaxe to get a chunk of salt. And then they're like, oh, and guess what? You get to take the piece of salt with you. And everybody's like, yeah. And my wife and I are like, yeah. And we just throw them on the ground. <laughs> like, what the hell am I going to do with a big rock? So at this I point, the, I got the pictures. it would be worth pointing out that I... I think it's fair to say that Colombians are more superstitious than most other nationalities that I, maybe, oh my God. Maybe somebody in like the Caribbean, a lot of those people are really superstitious. Maybe, but Colombians, we are definitely superstitious bunch, even those of us that have, that try to fight it. So I'm still convinced that us talking about the Salt Cathedral cursed the last episode. So if you can I believe it, you. yeah, like we think <laughs> salt is bad luck. Merely speaking of salt, and I made jokes about salt and licking, and now I said about licking the walls or whatever. So now I'm paranoid because salt might get back at me. Yep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's talk course, about sugar. All three of us, all three of us are Colombians. All three of us are married to white Americans. So I'm sure all three of us have gone through the exact same thing where we do something or say something related to salt and then our significant others just look at us like we're absolutely insane klaus you've known your wife for many many more years yeah. than i have mine but multiple times hey can you please hand me the salt and she hands me the salt yeah. and she's holding it in her hand waiting for me to take it and i don't and she's like just holding it and just giving me a look like what are you gonna do and i'm like could you please put it down so i can pick it up she's like i'm giving it to you and she just refuses to put it down because she doesn't understand i'm like I'm not allowed to take the salt from your hand. Could you please put it in the friggin' table so I can pick it up? Yeah, and that's She's just like, a what? weird one because it's, you know, I don't think the world, it just, the world is going to end just, it feels weird. So to be handed the salt in my hand, so you wait for the person to put the shaker on the floor. It's like handing someone a knife. You don't hand it blade out. 
It just feels that way. Like you're like, oh, that's weird. Please don't do that. I have to say, guys, that is just proper upbringing in Colombia. That's that's it. So is it fair to say to get to cycling? (laughs) Do you think Egan Bernal ever hands the salt shaker to someone in his family hand to hand or one of his teammates? There is absolutely no way way in hell. And I'm going to tell you how I know that he's very superstitious. It's easy to tell. Did you see the footage of him after he won, after Paris? They were in Paris already. His brother and his mom came up to him. Did you see what they did to each other? Yeah. No. They, instead of crossing yourself, they crossed each other. Oh. And they kissed each other's hands. <laughs> and this is not the first time that he's done it. I think the little brother was also, I don't remember which race was that he won at the beginning of the year. And this cheering with the brother the, the first time that they met after he had won the race was exactly same. And I've seen, Just like yeah, I've seen other people do other that person. before. I've seen soccer players do that with each other where they like go, like they touch each other's heads, like like their noses are closed and then they cross each other and then I've seen that before. So, uh, but that know, is 100% superstition. It's just, our grandmother, when we used to, my wife and I used to visit her. Um, she lived in this tiny little apartment and on our way out, she would bless us like she's the Pope, like do the sign of the cross in the air. And my wife was always like, I think your grandma thinks she's the Pope. Like she's blessing <laughs> that's us. Very no. Italian. Italian Colombian grandmas have superpowers. I'm yeah, sorry. of course. That, that's just how it works. They're giving you. It's like how a Colombian mom, when you're when you're small, has the superpower with her shoe of <laughs> beating you into submission. It's just a known thing. Everyone knows that. I saw a T-shirt. Uh, recently that is just pretty funny and Latinos will probably understand it more than Americans I'll try to explain it to Americans but it says I survived La Chancla (laughs) it has a photo of a chancla flying oh my god I survived the I don't know the The flip-flop of course in Bogota it's too cold for the flip-flop but it's the same thing yeah exactly uh, you so I just think hearing you to try to explain what a proper chancla is. is just... Yeah, <laughs> but see, and that's the thing. So keep in mind that Egan grew up in the, you know, in the high plains as as we did more or less uh, in a nearby area. So I think it's fair to say that his upbringing is probably in some way similar to ours in the same way that, of course, we haven't done the podcast in a really long time, but when Esteban Chavez won, uh, nearly won a stage and then won a stage at this year's Giro, the Mitchelton Scott video that they made about that, when Esteban's dad greets him after nearly winning that stage, I refuse to translate the things he says, not because they're bad words, but because outside the Colombian, I think, like, context, they would be greatly misunderstood. But let's just say that the amount of cursing and things that are said between Colombians and in this case, a father and son are hilarious. And it's and it's it's hard to not notice the similarities that you have with some of these people, even if they're nuanced. But, oh, my God, the things that were said were amazing. So I can only I imagine had to like about Egan. check it twice to make sure that it was his dad talking to him. I was like, can it be an uncle or another <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. cousin? Because <laughs> it's like, this is weird. Yeah. I was yeah. like, nope, 
de edad. Ok, moving on. Yeah, let's just say that if, uh, if those things had been said in English, I think the Mitchelton Scott people would be like, ok, oh, let's yeah. delete those video files and never let them surface again. Yeah, well, you think exactly. that if some of the stuff that Rigoberto Duran says in Spanish were ever be translated in English, do you think Education First would be like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to let this guy go? Uh, yeah. <laughs> HR on this guy? Yeah. Nobody I, has a more foul mouth than, than so Rigoberto Duran. I, mean, I actually had a conversation about this before. It was like three years ago, the Perry Roubaix, uh, the woman who at the time was handling, <sighs> I think he had just signed with them or yes. that was his first season. And uh, she was handling social media and she was like, yeah, you know, he's amazing. He has such a big following. And I was like, he does. And he's hilarious. She's like, yeah, a lot of times I don't understand this stuff he's saying in his videos. And I was like, yeah, it's better that you don't. Because honestly, like amongst Colombians, it's understood. But when translated or even when heard by other Spanish speakers, the level of misunderstanding would create a situation that would be really uncomfortable for everyone. Like, bad, yeah, there's, bad, There's bad, a lot bad. of things in, in Colombian Spanish, especially like, uh, I don't know, dirty, let's say, Colombian Spanish, really slang Colombian Spanish, that if translated uh, out of context and, um, and or uh, word by word, literally, Uh, they would be completely misconstrued and they would be just, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's bad. We say a lot of bad words. We say a lot of things that can be conceived, it can be perceived as being just incredibly sexist, racist, homophobic, hateful. I will give you a, 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 and I think we've talked about this in the podcast before. In Bogota, guys, to each other, we call each other gonorrhea as a term of endearment. So... It, it goes on from there. Just take that as so, like, yeah, the So, yeah, just lowest. extrapolate that. Exactly. Extrapolate from there. And I actually... You're like, hey, um, what's going on, gonorrhea? How's it going, gonorrhea? So I went through this uh, when I did the, um, that video for Rafa in Colombia because, I mean, so much footage was gathered. Sadly, 99.99999 will never see the light of day, which is very bad but i guess they own it and what can you do but um i did say that they had to get a colombian to do the translation and ideally someone younger because i was like if you get a literal translation of the stuff it's gonna be not only misunderstood but at times make no sense because even some of the older retired colombian cyclists were using slang and words that were so regional and so in the know And luckily, they found someone in London who did a very good job. But yeah, we could have a situation. <laughs> It has to be a Colombian that understands all the slang. Well, this guy in London. Yeah, luckily there was a there was a Colombian uh, dude there, and I they asked me to kind of check him out. Like I just sent them an email. I was like, hey, yeah, where are you from? You know, whatever. And within, I was like, yeah, he's he he gets it. Like based on our interactions in Spanish, even in written conversation, like it was obvious that he he understood. Were you testing him, Klaus? Like I, throwing him curveballs and stuff just to not, see how deep his knowledge was? Not totally purposefully, but I think, you know, like even in English, if you sent an email, it's like, hey, man, what's going on? Blah, 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 and you just you speak a certain way and they get it or not in the way that they respond. Yeah, you can just tell. And by the way, I like think how I, many how many emoji they use. Yeah, <laughs> but I think um, 
of course, a good way of finding a good Colombian is if they sign off with mil gracias. You don't say thank you. You say 1,000 thank yous. That's a surefire <laughs> way you're speaking to a good Colombian. Or mili mil. Yeah. Thousand and thousand. Yeah. So that's like you know. 2,000 thank yous because we're so apologetic and over the top kind, even when, when we're very angry. <laughs> my uh, my best friend who's known me, you know, we've known each other for 25 years, so she's known my family for 25 years. Um, she Every time she says hi to me, she says, Buenas y santas. <laughs> yes. Just, so can you imagine? I can't even explain. You're saying good That's, ones and holy ones. It doesn't, good it can't ones even translate. Holy ones. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird way of saying good afternoon, but she always thought it was hilarious. So to this day, she's like, Buenas y santas. Oh, there are so many hilarious things. But I do say that one of the Colombian superpowers is to turn every single freaking word into something dirty. That is something that is just uncanny. Like what? Yeah. I don't know. Just like a, oh, any, yeah, like everything can the have The way a that you meaning. say it or how you put it in a sentence. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a word that was perfectly innocent is now freaking yeah. So Yeah. And I, so I think there's a lot of that. Hopefully... Uh, Egan and his family being so religious don't do it too much. But chances are they totally do. <laughs> and Listen, guys, we're yes. like 25 minutes into this thing. Let's uh, get into the tour itself. It's kind of weird to do it now because it's been so long. But from my notes, I have... Mm, A Colombian guy won. Yeah. No, the, I, I have... Were you the, expecting it? Where did it feel kind of oh. sudden? Well, we expected it because we talked about it in our last episode, remember? We, you predicted it, actually. I predicted it, yes. Klaus was like, no. And I, you, which Natalia, I were cannot, like, are you sure it's not going to be Sosa? No. I cannot believe that I was not a believer. That's weird. In my mind, I totally was. Uh, however, I can tell you there's things that... I certainly wouldn't have expected, like Carapaz winning the Giro, but I don't think he did Well, either. I don't think anybody expected that. Yeah. I think Carapaz of Movistar? Carapaz yeah, that was Giro. a surprise. Yeah. Um, so, I asked you guys this on the original recording. Do you guys think that Nairo Quintana is super pissed that Egan Bernal won the tour and he didn't? Yeah, right. That there's that whole argument of, of course, when someone like him and Rigoberto Urana are interviewed, they're you know they're so happy and proud that a Colombian won and everything. But there has to be something deep down that just goes. I think, especially for Naido, who I think was a more realistic person to win the tour than Rigoberto Urana. No um, disrespect intended, but something in Naido must go like. God damn it, did my time pass? I'm getting old. Like, what's happening? There must be, even well, if it's not it's, bitterness. His time, but His time definitely is past now because he's going to Arkea Samsig, a team that is never going to be able to support him to actually win a Tour de France. I told you he's getting support. He's getting Wieder Anacona. And Dyer yeah, well, Quintana. There you go. There, Who, that, never mind. Dyer Quintana like, knows how to ride a bike and stuff. And, and Nasser Buhani. And there Andre you... Greipel. Who is no, so good in the mountains? I think Greipel wanted out of that team. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Somebody like Greipel wants out, and, and, and Quintana's like, yeah, let me in. Ay, ay, ay. I guess that was the highest bidder at this point, and he had to. I mean, I'm sure they offered him a good amount of money, but it's an odd choice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that Rigoberto would have much 
he doesn't seem the kind of person that would care. He'd be like, yeah, whatever, man. I couldn't win. Who gives a shit? Let's just move on. You know, he seems that kind of dude. Although, Klaus, I mean, you know them both, actually. I don't, you know, I've never interacted with either. Yeah. You know, more than like, you know, take a picture with me, give me an autograph. But uh, Quintana just seems the kind of person that is, he just seems to just have a chip on his shoulder to begin with. And now the chip on his shoulder is he never won the Tour de France and somebody else, a 22-year-old little shit. From basically the same area in Colombia, very, with much very so. similar upbringing, beat him to winning the Tour de France, and that has to burn him. I know it has to. I mean, look, I I could never claim to to know how Nido functions or anything like that. Oddly enough, I have spent more time and interacted more with his parents on two occasions and his dad on one occasion for a longer amount of time, and I think that they are sort of stubbornly proud his dad is a tough cookie he's a prickly character um but in i think in a very interesting way and i can only imagine that some of that is in naito and i think he's an insanely hard worker um i see that in his whole family because then i met his sister and cousins and all that stuff i mean briefly um so I think there must be, there must be something in him that does kind of go, God damn it. I, whereas you're right. I don't think Rigoberto is, uh, I mean, I, he, of course he takes this super seriously. I mean, all these people, even those who have great fun lives or whatever, more or less compared to the average human being their age lives like a monk. The amount of riding and watching their diet they have to do, even for someone like Luca Paolini, was probably still tame compared to other cocaine users. I'm speaking about Luca Paolini. You know what I mean? So are you saying that Luca, Luca, Paolini, Luca Paolini was the monk of uh, cocaine? Users. Yeah, I think like if he the talked to other cocaine, cocaine users, they're like, you're so cute. That's so funny. Like, so what are you going to do tomorrow? Train for eight hours? What? <laughs> I mean, he was finishing right, World Tour races. Like, you know, so I think the version of him going off the rails is hardly off the rails. So, yeah, I think Rigoberto, of course, is like super serious. But, yeah, I think to him it is more like, wow, Colombian did it. That's awesome. I deep down inside think Rigoberto knows he's not going to win a Grand Tour. I really yeah, I think he, he was chance. aiming for the podium, right? I, I never thought he was aiming for the top oh, spot. Oh, this time around? He, was, yeah, he, he loves, just wanted to he get second or third. Podiums. Yeah. He loves being in the podium in Grand Tours. He's good at <laughs> He's it. Sing! Yeah. Let me ask you guys another question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Egan Bernal's victory feels a little less awesome as Colombians because of the team that he was riding in? To me, yes. And I think this comes that uh, it came to me because I wasn't super, super excited towards the end when he got closer and closer. I was, why am I not like super, super hyped about this? Of course, I was excited, but I thought I was going to be more excited than I was. And I think the fact that he's racing for this team that has so many shenanigans going on around them takes the edge a little bit of I think of his of his victory Uh, because there is a little bit of a cloud in that team now as usual we cannot say 
something is happening or something is not happening. But the there's only just a lot of that, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that kind of like gave me a little bit of a peace of mind is just to see that he wasn't crushing the time trial. And it seemed real what he did, given his previous performances and how he has been freaking people out since he started with uh, mountain biking. So with that in mind, I was happy and everything, but it's just that freaking cloud that is hanging over the sky now in it's just It's just hard to ignore, let's, so let's say. You mean that he didn't do anything that would seem way out of the ordinary where people would start to question what's going on? Yeah, that and the fact that the team yeah. wasn't super, super dominating and choking yeah. the race, that mm -hmm. kind of like eh, puts it in perspective. So I don't know if with him, maybe because probably out of the four guys that had won the Tour de France for Ineos, Egan is probably the more credible of those. Maybe this is going to give Ineos a chance to do a little bit of PR and turn things around. I don't know. I don't know, honestly. But yeah, Klaus. I mean, I'm not going to, we can't, yeah, we can't deny that there is a little bit of a cloud hanging over. Which is kind of Klaus, funny what that do you think? as, as uh, sort of advanced cycling fans, people would say that there's a cloud over Ineos when in reality that's supposed to be what they never have, right? Because they're beyond reproach and they're above all of that. Um, for me, yeah, I think right. one right. of the things that I question more and, I, forgive me because I mentioned this before, but when I did a, an interview with with Juan Antonio Flecha and he referred to, and again, keep in mind that he rode for Team Sky and he said, if I said, if you could change anything, if I gave you a little magic wand about cycling, if you could change anything, what would you change? And he said the dominance and, uh, and behavior of Team Sky, the way that they negatively affect and control races the way they behave i interviewed mechanics who were told by team sky to hey if there's two water hose connections at the hotel always use both other teams can figure it out and the mechanic said yeah but i can't because i know those people and i'm going to see them at the next race and they were like they don't matter and mechanics just said we this it can't work that way like, it's just too small of a world. So I just think about things like that. And there's just kind of things that I I get bitter about and I don't let go. And I'm sorry about that, but I'm petty. So, for example, the fact that Team Sky for the first year or two had a policy that all riders could only if they, uh, speak English to one another. The only language allowed was English. It, it just things like that that I was like... Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I can't let those things go. Not, the things Natalia is uh, referring to and, you know, the, the questions about the legitimacy of the results and the questions about doping are far more important. I focus on way pettier things. But then that brings but up... That is... Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that is kind of funny because, I mean, when Egan did the thank you speaking in four languages, I was thinking exactly about that. Yeah. So I was saying it's like, in your face, freaking English-only policy. Like now, like four languages, damn it. Yeah, and right. to anyone that doubts it, there's even pictures of the signs that said that inside the Team Sky bus, which I think is interesting because clearly someone took a picture of those policies for a reason because they thought it was bizarre. Neither here Ridiculous. nor there, but it's kind of weird. Well, 
Um, I, I really like the whole four languages thing. It's like, hey, look at this like brown dude from like the jungles of Colombia. Like I'm sure most Europeans see him as like, we're surprised he can walk on two legs or even like, you know, walk around without eating bananas or something. Let's throw him a banana, poor dude. Yeah. Exactly. So, By the way, uh, that's a reference to soccer players. In case anyone thinks that my brother hockey. and Natalia are being insane, it happens. No, 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 hockey players matches. as well. But yeah, yeah obviously yeah. soccer players in, in, in Europe. Well, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, <clears throat> I thought it was great that he thanked everybody in Spanish and his family in Spanish. And then in Italian, he thanked like Italian cycling because that's where he came up and all that stuff, which was great because in reality, he was formed as a, as a professional road cyclist in Italy and then in French it was like France thank you very much you have a great race your beautiful country whatever um, I thought that was that was really really cool to do it in, in all four languages super nice again think about how many other cyclists out there would be able to you know to do it I mean I know a lot of cyclists speak one or two languages but a savage from the jungles of South America how many you know it's, it's I I like it when Colombians show people that we're not the savages that people think we are. That um, perhaps was one of my proudest moments on that Sunday, watching that ceremony. I was like, it's, uh, uh, yeah, in I actually, your it faces. Hello he from actually, the Subdesarrollo. <laughs> and you know what he said? You know what he said? He, he said, I want to thank Garant uh, for the opportunity, which I thought was hilarious that he actually used those words. I want to thank him for yeah. the opportunity. <laughs> For the opportunity to win one on him, because I'm, I'm, Garen Thomas obviously is not happy about what happened. I don't think that he knows. I don't. Th I, I think he knows that there's no way that he could have won the tour. I don't think he was in better, in, in better shape than than Egan. But if but as orders the, would have come into place, then he would have won the tour. But also but as a, as a defending champion, it's always it's hard. Even if you, they get along and you like him, like. Yeah, it's... yeah. I don't think that there's anything against Egan Bernal from from Geraint Thomas. He doesn't really seem to be. I think Geraint Thomas seems like the kind of guy that if he had a problem with somebody, you would know it. He just seems like that kind of just honesty, just through and through. I don't mind Geraint Thomas at all. I don't think I would be a friend of his or anything. He doesn't seem. He doesn't have the kind of personality that somebody that I would like. But I don't think he's an asshole. I don't think he's shady. I think he's just kind of what he is. He's just like. A person that just absolutely fucking. Oh, loves I thought you were gonna say a uh, classics writer that became a GC writer. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that too. Uh, that too. That too. Mm. But even in the interviews, he said that he had mixed feelings. I mean, of he course, wasn't which is like what, super. I mean. So the He's guy was being honest. honest. He wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm super happy with uh, for no. Egan. It's like, yeah. no, I have mixed feelings. I want to win the thing again. Of course, and then so that brings up the <laughs> point of next year. You have the recent winner in Garant Thomas. You have this year's winner, who will be the defending champion. You have Chris Froome, who, by all accounts, is still like the best uh, GC Grand Tour rider right now. So if everyone is healthy, what on earth do you do? And No, it's easy. It's easy. I, I already thought about it. If I'm Dave Brailsford, here's what I do. Or like they call him in Colombia, Brailsford. Brands Here's what I do. I send Carapaz back to the to the Giro, right? Oh, yes. dude, you don't want to go to the tour? No, man, believe me, dude, you got to go here. Who then else I goes to the Giro as preparation or slash to kind of help? 
Oh, I don't know. But out of the four that you just yeah. said, I would Does send Geraint Thomas and Chris Froome. No, that's it. I would just send him to the Giro. Carapaz. Geraint Thomas and Froome to the Tour. It's like, there you go. Good luck, guys. <laughs> like, fight it out. I and Negan does the Vuelta? And then Negan goes to the Vuelta. He's I, the defending champion. I would, I would almost guarantee you that that's what's going to happen. Defending champion, my butt. What are they gonna do? He's gonna he's gonna have a three prong attack. Well, that's doesn't work that way. No, There's but no that's way. the thing. And he's not. Listen, Team Ineos is not Team Movistar. You can't have three people going for the GC at the same time. I don't There's know. No I mean, way. I still it's the stupidest thing to do. No, listen. If you think about it, how how is Team Ineos gonna be like? All right, you three guys go to the go to the tour, right? So it's Egan Bernal, Garen Thomas, and Chris Froome. And then and we'll hash it out in the road. Burnt, no, it's impossible. To impossible. All three of them are burnt. And then what? Gianni Moscon goes to the Vuelta? Like, Kirienka is going to win the Vuelta? Like, you can't do it. One person is going to have to be out. Chris Froome? Yeah, right. Garan Thomas? No way. Egan Bernal is the, man, is the odd man out. He has plenty of years to come back and win the tour another five times. He's going to the Vuelta. But I guess that will depend a little bit on the route they choose, right? Oh, yeah. This if it has trial. like eight uh, time trials, Egan Bernal is not <laughs> it's 20, going. If it's 22 time trials, then Egan Bernal is not going, yeah. I mean, I, I just wish that they did one that suited something like uh, Alaphilippe. Yeah. So he could Ugh. do kind of like the same that what he did this tour, because I truly believe that was the excitement I, ingredient I for this so thing. I so happy. Dude, I would have been so happy if Alaphilippe or or Thibaut Pinot would have won that race. It would have been so awesome. I mean, Julian Alaphilippe is just, I mean, other than his silly goatee, he's just so, just so perfect. He is, when people are like, oh, look, we need people like Peter Sagan and Alaphilippe because they got personalities. No, Alaphilippe has a personality. Sagan is a fucking asshole. There's a difference there. Well, but also it's, I mean, for me personally, a, a sprinter-ish person, even someone that can get up, uh, you know, mild climbs and stuff is just not that exciting. So someone that can do spring classics, that can do punchy climbs or whatever, that to me is exciting. So Alaphilippe is just for me. I still don't understand anyone that goes, you know what I love really cool sprinters and watching entire sprint stages. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm really into when like, uh, uh, I was going to say Robin McEwen, but sure, Robin McEwen, but uh, yeah, I'm waiting for Grunewagen to win this stage, man. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I mean, I could see you're watching <laughs> the highlights and sometimes you see someone, oh my God, he came from like 10 riders back and look how he's avoiding. Of course that's exciting, but I can't get that excited about, a sprinter, even someone that's it's like, um, it's like being really excited about the kicker in American football. Yeah, sure, I mean, he American, can make a, a difference. A kicker can have a, you can ha have a reel of really good kicker stuff, you know, like a 63 freaking yard field. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 59 like extra points in a row. That's great. I'm not going to be really. A fan of the Kicker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the most exciting sprinter of all time was Cipollini, and he was exciting because of everything he did. I mean, he tried everything on earth to become exciting because even at his best, oh, it's cool, and look at the train, but really, eh. Well, that's just the thing, actually, that I was, 
I watched the, the, the race in Eurosport and um, they actually had like pre-race coverage and post-race coverage. They actually did a really, really good job. And they were talking about Peter Sagan a lot because actually Peter Sagan was one of their guests and stuff. And they were talking about like, oh, the, we need personalities in cycling and personalities and personalities. I'm like, yeah, 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 I agree, personalities. The biggest personalities of all in cycling, they didn't mention, Bernardino. No, and Mario Cipollini, those those were personalities. Somebody that is willing to punch a person that they don't even know during the race, like Ino did, that is a personality. So, Somebody willing to light a cigarette while you're racing in the Tour de France, that is a personality. But I think, honestly, and this wouldn't apply for Eurosport, but I think sometimes when Americans say that, I think it's a euphemism for the fact that they are not okay with the fact that they still miss Lance. Something to follow, something to like, just something to chew on. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Lance Armstrong was not a personality. He was like the blandest person ever. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think the bullying, the something, it just gave something for Americans to kind of hang on to. And I think... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, cause I that think that dude was evil, man. He was evil, a shithead evil. for me. I mean, dude, I, it's funny cause like, when the whole Armstrong thing happened, you know, and he was like, he was about to go on Oprah and then like the general public, a lot of people were like, man, did you think that this, he was like that? I was like, I don't know about cheating. I didn't give a shit about cheating. I still don't give a shit that he cheated. He was just a fucking asshole. His team were just a bunch of fucking assholes. I don't. For me, it's like cheating or no cheating, whatever. Everybody cheated back then. And he said that before. He's like, well, we, everybody cheated. Yeah. I mean, I, Ulrich cheated. Of course he did. He got caught. What? It's terrible. I'll take, I'll take Ulrich over Armstrong any day. Any day. Wow. Most of those fucking people I'll take. Klaus is just getting the news delivered now. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm sorry. Did I, did I spoil I'm just you? standing back up. I, I fainted. Actually, I really. When you consider <laughs> what's been going on with Ulrich, it's really bad. You know. Um, yeah, I know. So this is the first time that I ever watch. I believe this is the first time. I'm looking back. I'm thinking, and I cannot remember another time where I ever watched the Paris stage. I must have at some point because I have flashes in my memory. Weird. Do you remember there. Chris Horner chasing down? Hincapi as they went into the Champs-Élysées. I remember the story. I don't think I, I that remember. was bonkers. Right after that the was, testimony what, came Radio out, Shack, was it? Here, ooh, oh yeah, Chris Corner was no, he was in Lamprey. I think it was like his last year, and the whole peloton decided that Hincapi could go into Champs-Élysées with a good gap. And basically do almost perhaps even an entire lap or half lap first as an honor because he's retiring. He's done so many tours. And it's understood. It's, it's just an honor to him. But yeah, his testimony. Yeah, a bunch of guys this year as well, yeah. Yeah, and Chris Horner chased him down. <laughs> it's just amazing. Like, and now Chris Horner does commentary for uh, whatever, NBC, like next to uh, – What's his name? Uh, Van de Velde. Van de Velde. And of course, Chris Horner has the personality of an iron skillet. He's just, it's unbelievable. And they have to remind (laughs) you, like, he's the only American to ever win the Vuelta España. And I'm like, and every pro cyclist hates him. 
Yeah. <laughs> but he's got a job. It's amazing. <laughs> Oof. So, yeah, guys, anyway. did you enjoy this Tour de France? Ah, it's fucking amazing. It was fucking amazing. I, I thought it was great from beginning to end. I love... Mm. Alaphilippe kept me at the edge of my seat way more than Egan Bernal did because I never really thought that Egan was going to win it. So... I, the, the, the time trial. So I watched every stage because normally I'm doing other shit while the Tour de France is going on. Now I'm stay-at-home dad, so I'm taking care of my little girl. So, you know, she's taking a nap. What am I going to do? I'm just going to watch the tour. So I even watched the, the time trial. And I even, I even oh my gosh. cheered at the time trial. I'm not even kidding, dude. <laughs> dude, <laughs> the world is I ending. I know, People, it's official. Get your affairs in order because the world is coming to an end. <laughs> why do you, the why end do you call your mom? Bourbon? Thank her. Call your loved ones. Yeah. I'm, I'm drinking bourbon because the world is coming to an end. This thing is unbelievably strong. Very delicious, though. I'll tell you that right now. But it's hitting me like a fucking train. So here's the thing. And I, you know, when Chris Froome wins a tour, there's those moments where everyone's like, oh, my God. And then he did the funny attack where he was pedaling super fast and looking at his stem and. Um, Egan Bernal didn't have one of the like there wasn't a one day where he's like, and that's when he blew it up because well, the stage well, I got stopped. Attack. He had two strong attacks. One of them, basically the one that won him the tour was the one in the shortened stage. Um, yeah, and it was a uh, it wasn't an, a super explosive, like, you know, in the days of Alberto Contador, when he would attack and he would do the like three times and it, each time was just insane. We didn't get to see that. So I told you guys. You mean like the, like Quintana had an attack like that in the stage that he won. Yeah. Where but, you're just like, you know, oh, that's where it actually, happened. No, I would encourage you to go back and look at that stage though, because that attack really? actually is that is just that. For some reason, the way the cameras worked in the tour a lot in the mountain stages was kind of a mm -hmm. little weird. They missed a lot of, like, attacks, and they were showing a lot of just people, like, randomly, like, I don't care about this. Why are we looking at this for this long? Go back and look at it. Um, the moment that he attacks is not really on camera at all, but everybody behind him is like, all right, dude, good luck, because there's nothing we can do here. And, and I mean, Simon Yates doesn't come up to him until, like, way later. See, way later. But then that brings up the other question which I've been saying to people. I'm not too big on asterisks. Um, for example, when we recorded this originally, um, the Giro <laughs> that... right there. Yeah, the Giro that Naito won. At this stage, I think most people forget about the, oh, it was snowing and they put up the flag. Should Was he allowed to attack? Wasn't he or whatever? I could he just... He didn't really attack. He just kept going. Right, on the downhill, which I think it's yeah. interesting that more and more commentators, and this scares me a little bit, but more commentators and retired professionals are saying, we don't feel comfortable with the amount of attacks and the amount of pressure that is being put on riders to attack and make a lot of things happen on the descents, which is understandable because it's different from when they rode. And I think they're feeling, especially with the super tuck and like all these things, that something really bad could happen. I, and I, of course, I hope that's not the case. But anyway, the reason why I bring this up is because I could see how someone would say, well, so there was a shortened stage. The big defining stage, when, then after that was shortened before Paris. 
and Chris Froome wasn't there. Of course, the answer to the Chris Froome thing is, well, he wasn't there, and whoever was there to beat, he beat. But I still yeah, think exactly. people... And I told you before, like, every time that Chris Froome has won the, the, the Tour de France, Eddie Merckx wasn't there. Right, so, and so, so... Some writers are there sometimes, and sometimes they aren't. But then well, the, the, fuck? the problematic thing there is, will he a, a, ever be able to do a tour during his prime against Chris Room, who is his teammate. Like, I just don't know how that's going to solve itself. And we're in an era now when that seems to happen all the time. We're like, oh, co-captains, and this guy got hurt. But again, even when Contador and Lance Armstrong were on a team together, people are like, how is that going to work? Oh, my God, slaying the Badger all over again, Lamondi, no. And now it's like, yeah, multiple teams have multiple people that are going for GC, and well, we'll just figure it out. Speaking it's of weird. that, though, did you, when, when Egan and, and Garan Thomas crossed the line holding hands, isn't that the first thing you thought about, LeMond and Eno? <laughs> and to think of what was really happening uh, behind yeah, exactly. the scenes. Yeah, That's exactly what I thought. It's like, oh, look at these guys. By the way, so nice. They like each other. Oh, wait, Eno and Greg LeMond. <laughs> I think the most heartbreaking other. thing about that is that if you hear the commentary, which I guess it might have been Phil Liggett, and LeMond's wife is in the booth, and they go, what do you think about that? And she's like, I love it. That's Bernard saying, it's all you. You got it. You deserve this. And little did she know, like, <laughs> that that's not what he meant <laughs> at all. At all. <laughs> so. <laughs> Are you guys going to, like, like, hypothetically, let's say that Chris Froome doesn't come back from his injuries or whatever, and... He's gone. Uh, would you guys miss him? Chris Froome? You know, no. oddly enough, yes, I think I would. Not necessarily because I'm like a huge Chris Froome fan or I'll be like, oh, man, the world of cycling is not going to be, you know, like, you know, like without this guy, it's not going to be the same or whatever. But I think that he's an amazing writer regardless of how he does things, regardless of he needs the team like this, he does he needs it like that, he rides with his power meter or not, whatever. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, he is an amazing cyclist. He is, without a doubt, whether or not we like it or not, the best Grand Tour rider right now, the last five years, and probably for a few years yet to come. So I think that cutting yeah. somebody, somebody's career like that would bum me out to the point that I would miss him. And I will give you this example before. I have to go pee really badly. So I'll give you this example, and I'll let you guys talk amongst yourselves. When Andy Schleck retired, I was bummed, even though I never liked Andy Schleck. But I knew that he had years in front of him, plenty of years to be able to actually go come back and win. Yeah, he was young. He was very young when he when he, when he graduated, <laughs> when he when he <laughs> retired, and that bummed me out. Even though I was never really a big fan, honestly, and I think he was a little bit of a crybaby. But it just bums me out when somebody with that much talent, like you said, Natalia, disappears or is forced to retire. Or decide oh, yeah, to so retire. You just like want things to it's, play out completely to the end as they will, not be yeah, cut exactly. short in any way. Be, but before I go pee, before I go pee, um, Fabian Cancellara was um, commentated on the last stage and to, into Paris uh, for Eurosport, and it was just, just the most beautiful. Just, just you know, when you have a meal that is just perfect, that's what it was. His English is just so perfect. Like, everything he says is just 
Beautiful. I love that, man. Anyway, I gotta go pee. I'll be back. This whiskey is like hitting my bladder badly. All right, bye. Bye. Uh, I thought it was bourbon, but anyway. Oh, maybe. Are those the same thing? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> listening right now is in disbelief that we don't know the difference, but that we can name like 20 Colombian fruit juices. I know. I Clearly, know, we're not That's drinkers. where the true knowledge is. I know. That's where the true so power relies. To you, does it feel like there's any mental asterisk in your mind or that other people may have it in theirs? I think so. And I, I don't think it's per se because of the ones that were there or the ones that were not. But I think but the it's shortened because, stages and because stuff? of the shortened stages. Uh, yeah, because they say that it didn't get to play the whole thing thing yeah. out but i honestly i don't think anybody was stronger than Bernard no. going uphill so. no so for example like al philippe would have loved to defend for another day and i would have loved to see how that played out but he of course was not going to thibaut pino retired so garrett thomas couldn't have and wouldn't have been allowed to so yeah, it just feels weird that the stage was cut. I don't know. It just felt like oddly truncated and not. But mm. I mean, if you Wait, think did you about say it, Trump baited, truncated. truncated. So we we're just talking that the, maybe the asterisks or Bernal's wins, if people want to put one, is because of the shortened stages. But I kind of like that too because uh, I think nature and climate is important for bike racing. And mm -hmm. what happened to me in that stage is a little bit of a reminder that maybe sometimes taking risks actually pays off instead of leaving everything for the last five kilometers on the last climb. You know what I mean? Like maybe oh, okay. there is a little bit of incentive to have some movement in the race. And yeah, maybe it is only going to happen once every, I don't know, 10 years, but I kind of like it. I know that people will be stopped. No, because a bicycle race has to have a preset finish line. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't make any sense because of the strategies. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, man, I love chaos. So I was super happy when they were like, oh, we have to cut the, the stage short because look, we have an avalanche and it's freaking hailing all the way down. It's like, okay, this is amazing. Especially because yeah. of the chaotic situation of the cars trying to stop the riders. Yeah, I thought Especially that was really funny. Enrico Bertorano oh, cursing amazing. and yelling at Nibali. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's... I want to know what's up with that. But you're right. I mean, of course you have to have a defined line and it's weird. And if people are saving themselves for the fine... Like, that all makes sense. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a cycling fan that doesn't love a GC rider attacking, not on the final climb, but the one before, as you know, people like Alberto Contador would, or, you know, and just going for broke and yeah, going on I, long range attacks. There's less of that today. So yeah, I totally. That was just, and I'm, 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 I'm just to look at it. Everything freaking aligned for Egan Bernal in this tour, the stars, but everything aligned, like aligned, yeah. aligned everything perfectly aligned for, for him. Everything aligned for Garen Thomas last year. Everything aligned for Chris Froome the day year before that. Everything aligned for Carapaz this year, the Giro. That's what you have to... You, things have to align for you in order to... I, I don't think that there's an asterisk in this at all. Just like there's no asterisk into any Grand Tour ever. Because 
you can always say like, well, it's an asterisk because, you know, there was too many flat stages. Well, there's an asterisk because, you know, Tom Dumoulin had to stop and take a shit. And there's an asterisk because of this and this and this, even though I know Tom Dumoulin won that race anyway. Even I just shit. remember people talking about Carlos Sastre when he won the tour. They were like, that was a Hail Mary pass. And I'm like, have you ever watched a game where Hail Mary pass works? It's amazing. That's it's not normal. It's, it's insane. The football game ever. Yeah, I'm like, what? you don't like that? Do you want someone to go from stage one to finishing winning? That's stupid. Which, exactly. that's my only beef Here's with someone thing, like though. Think Chris about Froome. this. Dominance. The Chris Froome, Hail Mary pass, and he won the tour after he had won the tour being boring. Chris Froome, that stage that he won last year was amazing. Unbelievable. So, you can... I, I don't know. This idea of like asterisk and why, why and how or whatever. Carlos Asterisk actually is interesting because that's actually a pretty boring race in general. Yeah. But I mean, what friggin' I mean, I, I know what you guys are going to say. But I mean, fucking Floyd Landis, that fucking, that was unbelievable. He was fucking an amazing fucking stage. And he won the fucking Tour de France. It's amazing. I'm just saying. I mean, it was. He was fucking unbelievable. So, well, yeah, it was not I mean, to be believed. Like but yeah, so, those turnarounds are amazing. So unbelievable that that move now has a name. Remember when Froome did it at, at the Giro? Yes. It, it was like Chad Haga or something that they were interviewing, and he said, "Oh, he did a Landis. Landis. <laughs> a Landis. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Landis is, doesn't have an asterisk because his name is not even attached to the. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, to uh, to to the to the win anymore, obviously. But I think that the idea of like I don't know asterisks, for example. Let's say that they decide to shorten the tour to two weeks. From then on, every win should have an asterisk. But if it's three weeks, whatever may happen in those three weeks, it's the fucking tour. Somebody won. It's somebody covered the distance of the race. In the fastest time. Period. I just, I wonder if there's a teeny tiny question mark in some people's minds and they say, well. Of course there is. He's Colombian and he Egan, But also Egan is going to have to really prove himself and win ah, a tour against him. He's Colombian. He's brown. He's young. He wasn't supposed to win. Of course there's a, you think if Garen Thomas would have won it? Anybody would be like, well, there's an asterisk because remember that one stage they got cut and then that other one would also cut. And like, mm-hmm. no, he's a European and he's won the tour before. And it, everybody would be like, all right, well, that's the it way is that, you so win the race, funny that you It is so funny that you mentioned that because it is absolutely true for some of the hardcore Ineos fans that I'm assuming are from mm-hmm. Great Britain mm-hmm. that they were saying that this guy, rightful, like cheated. Geraint Thomas, out of Jesus, his leadership, really? you know, like, right, given to him by winner the Oof. previous Tour de France. They were banana saying that somebody ought to check this guy because he's clearly something else is going on. How come he's possible? And you're like, oh my really, God. really, really questioning that. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're like, Jesus shut up. Christ. You know, like, at some point, it's like, that's, that's not cool. That's not cool. It's like, yeah. Ay, anyway. ay, ay. But I don't, I mean, they can go and do whatever they want with that but, question mark. I thought it was, everybody was doing the race. Everybody was on the same, you know, like, I don't, yeah, it's just freaking luck. You have to get 
a lot Look, of it yeah, is love. I'm guessing yeah, and it's like this time so, it was his turn so whatever Garen Thomas, Garen Thomas crashed four times during this tour again Bernard didn't crash a single time so let me ask you a question uh of course, you know, uh, we're Colombian, so we tend to like most uh, Colombian writers and things like that. Uh, and that's true for other nationalities. But do you have a team that you like? For example, because we we're talking about Ineos, like, yeah, it's iffy, even though there's writers that, that we like, we don't like the team. That's probably less true for some people in 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 Britain, I would imagine they have more Ineos fans because that's their their national team in a sense and all that. But is there a team that you guys feel really strongly about in a positive way? I used to feel that way about Euskatel just because they were underdogs and they were a unique team and they had a lower budget. But is there a team that you guys really like? Like a jersey that I put on and I'm like... Or, yeah, or just a like team a that you're like, yay, check out the dude. I don't even know his name, but he's attacking because he's from whatever. Yeah, I, there is one e, team. There is, go ahead, Natalia. I was just going to say that EF Education First, presented mm -hmm. by Cannondale, powered by Drapak and fueled by whatever, is warming by up. By Cervelo to me. testing. Yeah, <laughs> but they do Cannondale that. Anyway, so they are warming up to me. It's actually, yeah, yeah I'm like watching races and it's like, oh, uh, let me see what the pink flamingos are going to do in this one. Yeah. I guess especially because they have these things where they have been racing outside the road race calendar yeah. i called like the dirikansa and the and the thing that lactan morton did crossing pretty much all great britain that yes. was nuts so that's when kind of see, cool that is I was gonna kind say, of interesting to I, me yeah i was gonna say that i really don't mind that team too much except for this <laughs> because the dudes c come on the fucking crossing England thing. There's a bunch of people that do that all the fucking time, you know, and that's their fucking thing. And then here comes this fucking pro, a motherfucker that gets paid to ride his fucking bicycle. And he's like, oh, you funny people. Let me show you how it's done. And he beats everybody by like 14 hours. But then, then again, look at what Kansas, happened at the Dirty Kansa. <laughs> they did not do that well. Yeah, I know. Wait, they finished third and fourth. It's not that bad. Yeah, but the dude and that who, won who second, does the Red Hood who crit. second? What's that? The dude Stadina. that won does the Stadina. Red... Wait, the dude that won I thought was like a Red Hood crit. Like, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the guy name is Strickland. Strickland. Yeah. I don't remember Something what like the first name, yeah, name is. Yeah, Strickland. Strickland. Colin, Colin Strickland. Yeah, I so that's kind of won, interesting. And then I think it was Perer Stedina and then... Was it Lachlan Morton or Alex House? I, I can't remember. remember. They were two and three, whoever they were. Yeah. I mean, three yeah. and four, I mean. So that's kind of cool. Fucking, like, dude, just stick to fucking roads. Stop, stop trying to be fucking some asshole like, look at me, man. I can do it all, dude. Hey, listen. No, I yeah, I, I, I can if agree you with do that. ultra marathons, go and fucking do ultra marathons. But don't be a fucking professional cyclist, a person that gets paid to fucking do that and then start entering a bunch of fucking amateur races well, to so... take their fucking money away. Oh, look at my cool mustache. Oh, look <laughs> at me. I won fucking Paris-Roubaix when I was fucking 17 years old. I want to come over here and take your money? Fuck you. I don't know that they would have kept the prize money, did they? Because I know I can tell you this. I don't think so. Um, the okay, circuit... so they didn't keep their... The... Do you think that those guys do it for the money, though? I Whoever think they do it to do something sixth. entertaining and think, different. You think they were like, oh, wonderful. These assholes get fucking paid to ride their bikes. They get professional fucking helpers to fucking train and fucking dietitians and shit. And they beat me. They're in the fucking, 
podium. They get the fucking trophy. Fuck the money. That's not right. You know that's not right, man. Klaus, think about it. When we were in our in our, in our band, right? Yeah. Punk rock band back in the day, fucking grassroots DIY shit, right? And we're touring, and then Def Leppard shows up to one of our shows. And they're like, yeah, oh, no. no, dude, we're not trying to steal your shit, man. We just want to, like, you know, just play, you know, just let us play just a couple of songs, man. Would no, I mean, like, I oh, yeah, see dude, that. I awesome. see that Come argument. Let's do it. Because oh, I I'm think. Sorry, I have 11 teen Gibson guitars because we're sponsored, and I'm like, I can barely afford my BC Rich. But that's but the thing. I cool. think they should. Isn't. They should enter in a different category. For example, there are training races in Medellin by in the Aeroparque, and it's basically like a crit in a big loop. I saw Rigoberto Urán do those races, and on the last lap, he was in a breakaway, and he was winning. And before the last lap, he went out into the parking lot and rode home. <laughs> Because yeah. these guys didn't do that in any of those races. Yeah, I know. And because Rigoberto Ann was racing against some really serious, very fast people, but also against some like eighteen-year-old dudes. And he had I it. I just, I just, I don't like it. I, I find that to be fucking annoying, insulting, and probably more than anything else, just so fucking cheesy. Uh, look at us. We love to suffer in the bike, man. Suffering the bike is just you know. And you watch those videos, and it's like. It gets me in touch with what I love about cycling and like, oh man, shut the fuck up. You have a job. That's all you fucking, you fucking race a bicycle. That's it. Oh, I go back to the Shut up, I'm like, Fuck you, you dude. Go back it. to fucking China. Smoke some fucking weed. Go to China. Go fucking meditating. Be a fucking hippie somewhere else. Not in my YouTube. That's what I say. Fucking close that shit. Unsubscribe to that fucking channel. I'm done. Fuck them. I hate that. I, I'm going to go I, watch I, an I, unboxing like video. Lachlan Morton crying when he like finally broke down because yeah, nothing exactly. was working. Do you really think he blocked? Come on, he was dude. Like... It's reality TV. He didn't really fucking film himself. He's, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, it's so difficult. I'm riding my bike. Oh, why am I here? I have a wife. Why am I here? Yes, exactly. <laughs> why are you there? Go be with your fucking wife and shut the fuck up. I See? hate that ass. What you guys should so do much. is... Not watch that stuff, and then you yeah, don't exactly. care. That's why I unsubscribed. I'm That's done. why I but... watch unboxing videos where someone's like, "Oh, I bought a new roll of scotch tape. Let me unbox it." <laughs> I actually watched. <laughs> I watched a guy unbox today uh, a whole bunch of uh, James Bond like uh, collectibles and stuff that he bought, like props from yeah. the movies and stuff. Whoa. It was amazing. No, but so, back to your original question, though. Yeah, you originally asked if there's a team. That kind of yeah. you kind of get behind and stuff. You're right. Euskatel used to be the team for me. I love them. Uh, yeah, they just the underdog. The, the, the it's it, yeah. They, they to me they were just a, a team that I admired a lot and I just enjoyed. Them I also like Cervelo test team for I'm sure the same reasons for that a lot of people season, loved Cervelo and the videos testing. and stuff. Those videos yeah. were amazing. Um, but I think today, and not only today, I mean, I think the Conic Quickstep has been a team that I've just, I mean, since the Mape days, it, it, they're mm. just, it, it, they're ridiculous. When they're winning, they're just unstoppable. And when they're not, they're just cannot fucking get a win. I just love them. Some of my favorite writers of all times have been in that team, including Rigoberto Uran. And so 
yeah, it, I, to me, it doesn't really matter who, especially now that Nikki Terpstra is not in it anymore. It doesn't matter who attacks from the Koenig Quickstep. I'm happy. I'm down. And I wish that Van der Poel and... Uh, uh, Wood, Wood Van Aert. Yeah, Wood Van Aert would have gone, both of them would have gone to uh, to the Koenig Quickstep. I, I, yeah. That team, I just really, really, really like. I, I wish Sepp Van Mark would have been there. For years, because then he would have been able to win all the friggin' classics that he should have, but he didn't. Yeah. And I where really is like Seb it. Van Mark? What's that? Where is Seb Van Mark racing? Uh, education first. I don't know. The pink oh, flamingos. <laughs> I lost track. Exactly, because he, <laughs> that poor dude. <laughs> I just feel bad for him. Well, also he was in Belkin, <laughs> so. When any when any any rider was in Blanco or Belkin, you think that he's been in seventeen different teams because he oh, has yeah. been in seven different teams, except it was the same team, but it was a whole over bunch. and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> funny because I also never remember. I always forget rather that uh, Juan Antonio Flecha rode in what is now Jumbo Visma. Huh. Rabobank. Yeah, Rabobank. So yeah. He was in Rabobank, Bank, the turning to Blanco, the like turning to Belkin. To... <laughs> yeah. Which one is your favorite? Yes. Which one gets you going? I don't know. I, I think know. I asked Klaus, because I don't. I, I think you know. You know. Come on, say it. Hmm. UAE. <laughs> God, it really is about Come the on, kit dude. design. It's yeah. just Rui so Costa. inspired. Rui Costa moves your needle. <laughs> oh. Like they Valverde the, used to move spikes. Oh, uh, they're like the Rui Costa of teams. I mean, he really Rui Costa is, is the Rui very Costa of teams. exactly. He's like really good, right? I don't know. Uh, world uh, but who? Ugh, ugh. Just completely uninteresting and bland, and just. Ugh. Mm, no. I think they should just rename the team Fly Emirates. I, mean, I would I really need this. Scott, if I was the marketing person, that... I would just rename it that, and then just brand, brand the airline as much as you can. The way you separate yourself from the country, I mean, shit. Flight Emirates is owned by the government anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It's not like it's two different. It's one entities. and the same. Katusha you know did it really I... well. Just boom, Katusha. That's it. All right, that's the name of the team. Katusha you know who I kind of like as a team? Wanty. Wanty mm. group. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I'm sorry. Like Wanty Gobert? Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I'm super excited like I was about Oscatel, but for some reason I kind of have a soft spot for them in the spring. So, But yeah, it's just not the same yeah. anymore. They're no, they're no Vacansolet, but yeah. Yeah, that was another one. Oh, Vacansolet were just great. And for a couple of years they had aluminum bikes. Like, the that's last, amazing. They were the last professional team to ride... Uh, um, Aluminum bikes. They were Batavis bikes. and Because they didn't make a carbon fiber bike. Because That's they awesome. And the last Paris-Roubaix that they ever rode in aluminum bikes, you and I were there, Klaus, and I yeah. got to meet my idol, Johnny Hoogerland, on that bike, and he signed my little arrow thing that we stole from one of the posts. He signed it, and I have photos of his bike, of him, of him with me, and then of the little cheat sheet that he printed for the top tube of his bike. 
Do you know what? I'm looking this up, so I can't claim to know. Do you know what year he retired? Hooverland? Yeah. Okay, so Vacant Soleil, that was 2000. We went to Paris Roubaix 2010. Mm hmm. I would say 2013. He retired in 2016 what? from Team Roompot. Huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. After that, he did a year, a year in Androni Giocattoli, which I kind of remember. <laughs> wow. Again, I'm looking this up. I I'll tell you know. what, though. I, I mean, this is, I'm not trying to make myself to be the coolest dude ever. I don't need to. I know I am. But I watch a lot of random fucking races. There's no reason why anybody should watch, especially a lot of Dutch racing. Like and the Amsel Curaçao race? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just that was his last pro win, by the oh, way. Really? That's why I mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. No, Sportsa doesn't have that live. They have it like highlights. But uh, they... Um, Rompot races, obviously, all those races. And I don't remember yeah. he, seeing him a single time yeah, in he those was later years. years. So I wonder if he was just signed but just didn't race. It's I possible. I, I mean, listen, dude, he was one of my favorite writers where he was going on long before the whole, like, going into the barbed wire thing. Actually, I remember when, when the barbed wire thing happened with Juan Antonio Flecha and, and whatever, that whole thing. I was actually bummed because I was like, oh, wonderful. Now everybody's going to be like, oh, you know this guy? He's awesome. He did this. And I was like, dude, motherfucker, I knew Metallica. Kill them all, all right? I don't need you telling me about the fucking Black Album. Just saying. But you know, he got the Combativity Award that day. <laughs> because he almost By fucking way, died. I still remember something Johnny <laughs> This Hoover fucker almost died. Wait, 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 wait. Did, uh, what's his face? Walter Wayans, did he, did he win the Combativity Award in the Giro that day that he died? No, oh, Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ win the Combativity Award the day that they crucified him? No. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I still remember Johnny Hilgerlin being caught uh, when he was on a break. And then, of course, like, there's no chance and he's going to finish 32 hours down. And he would just attack again for five seconds. Just, just I think it seemed like just because it was funny. <laughs> so for that alone, I will always remember. He was such a fucking nice dude. I mean, granted, I met him for like a total of, I don't know, 47 seconds. But just such a cool, chill dude like just laughing and stuff and just being and probably of... everyone listening to this is like who johnny he Hoover finished 105th at the giro <laughs> the guy that fucking got caught in the fucking just barbed wire look up johnny hoogerland and get ready to see the gnarliest photos ever but um i i think that him and all the other guys in vacan soleil what did we say 2010 right we're yeah. just surprised that anybody gave a shit because Klaus and I were there like taking photos of the boss and like I had a Vacan Soleil hat actually a cap that I bought earlier that day and stuff and I'm sure they were like why why does anybody like our team <laughs> why do you know who I See, am so, I am not I am so, not yeah, going to just... become famous because of my accident for another four years so why do you know who I am <laughs> so yeah it's just interesting how certain teams and stuff kind of get your attention for yeah they just kind of like inspire you in a, in a, in a weird way so Dan I have a question for you what needs to happen so you consider bringing the podcast back 
Uh, well, I, I I think winning the lottery would be great. Hal has to freeze over. If I win the lottery, I can hire somebody to do the podcast for me, so I don't have to think about it ever again. Okay. I can hire somebody that just like ha like an actor that just sounds just like me and can fucking drink bourbon the way that I am so that they sound okay, drunk. Okay, so towards the end. you will be up for it if the only thing that you have to do is just show up and talk for an hour, right? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it's it, it's you know. I this is not the only podcast that I did. I I I, I mm. did. I've done other other many other podcasts. And it's it's an interesting thing because a podcast is a very enjoyable thing because at the end of the day, it's just you sitting with your friends and bullshitting about a topic that you enjoy, which is the way that this podcast was supposed to be from the beginning. It was always like, let's sit down, let's have some beers, and then just make fun of cycling because we love it so much. And then, you know, in my other podcast, it was like, you know sci-fi movies and then in the other podcast whatever you know metal or whatever but it just takes a life of its own and it, it, it which in a lot of ways was really good you know i mean when the i, I think probably the best way to 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 yeah to explain the 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 good stuff about it is you know like natalia how you and i basically met it was because of the podcast at the end of the day we were we ended up being in um, Richmond for the World Championships at the same time, and so we meet there, and it's because of the podcast, and that those two days in Richmond were just amazing, just amazing, because there were so many people that recognized me, and I I heard Skull Crusher, Skull Crusher, like constantly being screamed. Could it from... be because of the very demure shirt you were wearing? Well, I, I tweeted, this, this is when I was still on, on Twitter, I tweeted that I was wearing a t-shirt with hot dogs on it. And I don't think anybody knew, like, what do you mean, a t-shirt with hot dogs on it? My t-shirt is made out of pictures of hot dogs, quite literally. So you could You had me. a dude showing up in a hot dog costume just because and of then, what you said. Yeah. That was, was just funny. Yeah, there was hot dog costume dude and so i mean yeah it, it was it was great and that was like kind of like the epitome of what was the best or what has been the best about this podcast just people buying me beer and i'm not saying because like oh i want to be recognized i love people taking pictures of, look at me i'm so cool or oh yeah buy me a beer i love free beers i mean i love free beers but it, that's not what i mean just being recognized for all the fucking annoying work that this is is, is was was good. It was, it was it was amazing. I think that that weekend was was just awesome. Except for the fact that Peter Sagan won the fucking race. But other than that, it was just amazing. We ate amazing Venezuelan food at this one restaurant in Richmond, and I met so many people that I've like emailed with or like I met through Twitter and so many listeners, and it was just wonderful. But that's just one weekend. The rest of the time, fucking podcasting fucking sucks when you do it yourself because we recorded a whole episode on monday that i'm telling you was way better than this one because we were fucking laughing non-stop and we didn't really laugh that much on this episode that you know so plus you know, we were on the bernal high still on monday exactly we were, like, it was still, like, like captured that moment you know so now that we mm -hmm. can't publish that episode i'm just bummed about it which is why i'm drinking bourbon 
Because bourbon is the drink when you're burned out. You <laughs> know? That's what actually happy. all the country music people <laughs> drink is fucking bourbon. So, um, it, so it, it, there's a lot of good stuff about podcasting. There's a lot of really bad stuff and just annoying shit and like editing this stuff and then putting it up. And then you just have, it's just, a lot of it is just really stressful because I put a lot of stress on myself. Like I said, like my wife was like, why do you want to record this episode and put it up? Who gives a shit? Oddly enough, I do. Why? I don't fucking know because I'm an idiot. Because I give myself this pressure that I have to do a good job. And I said the last episode of the the podcast, one of the reasons that I wanted to end it is because I just don't think that the last, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes were up to par they were not what what the what the podcast used to be because i used to try so much harder i used to edit it nicer i used to like take much better notes and come a lot you know better prepared and i think that that's the same for mike you know i mean i think that klaus always brings it <laughs> regardless <laughs> and, a lot, is, is, and a lot of this is before he's is always up he's yeah 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 exactly. he's on the but money. a lot of this Thank a lot you. of this also is before yeah exactly he's a natural a lot of it is before um, you even started joining us, Natalia. But I think that at some point, Mike just kind of like ran out of gas. And around the same time, I kind of ran out of gas. And he was kind of like, do I really want to continue to do something that is like subpar? And I know a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have told me like, what are you talking about? They were still awesome. They were still amazing. It's still the best cycling podcast out there, blah, 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 blah. In a way, and I don't mean to sound dismissive, but I am going to be, I don't give a shit what other people think. If I think that it's subpar, then I feel that I'm wasting my time putting something out that I just don't think is very good. Honestly, this episode right now that we're recording, I don't think it's very good. I think the one that we recorded on Monday was fucking amazing. And it just, that that kind of thing just we breaks my heart know. to no the point knows. that it's not like, it, it, it's not like, oh, well, let's change this or let's do that or whatever. It's just like, no, my heart is already broken. It's just, it just, it bums me out so much. And after it happened on Monday, you know, Monday late night or whatever, and then I, I texted you guys in the morning on, on Tuesday, it, it, it hurt. It really did hurt. I was like, fuck, here I am. I come back to do one episode. And the reason that I fucking quit is like fucking punching me right in the face. It was tough. I'll tell you that. It was tough. <laughs> that the technology and the keeping it... I, I, I'm i uh, glad you laughed, Klaus. Your work. brother is like, this is tough. It was tough. I'm ready to break down. And you're like... <laughs> no, 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 no. It just it was <laughs> one of those laughing. things that even as... Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but even as we're setting up to record and like nothing is working and yeah. Skype and all, it's just frustrating. <laughs> it is. It is very frustrating. I think that a lot of the podcasts, I mean, actually not a lot. Of, I know two podcasts, two people that podcast and they both have very, very um, good and successful podcasts and they both do their podcasts in person. Are you talking about Ira Glass? From I'm talking about night? Ira Glass. He has all his guests oh, right cool. there. Yes. This this American life, they do a great job. <laughs> no, I think that I think uh, they're going places. No, no, no. My my friend has a has a podcast about beer and stuff, and he has like guests and everything, and he he has a studio, and everybody comes into the studio. And I think it's just so much easier doing it remotely is a huge pain in the ass. 
doing it when you have different people, different schedules and stuff. And, and it just, I don't know, it started to become really, I'll, I'll tell you when the whole thing started for me and it started to go downhill. It started to go downhill when Mike started saying, oh, I, I can't today, can we try Friday? Oh, I can't Friday, can we try Monday? Can we, because we used to always do it on Mondays. The idea was like, there's usually races on Sunday. We talk about them on Monday, goes up on Tuesday, done. And then Mike started moving them around. Um, I don't know that at the time I realized because he just lost interest. But when once he started moving them around, then it just started becoming a pain in the ass. And I was like, well, is this really worth it? I used to do the podcast by myself when I used to live in Stanford. And now I'm going back to, that's where I'm moving now, back to. When I used to live in Stanford, I remember I had my iPhone and all my notes and I would just record myself. This is mini crusher days, so like 2011, 2012. And then it, there was very little stress. It was just like I recorded it, I'm done, boom. So the production has a lot to do with the stress. And I, I don't know what the fuck. I'm rambling, man. Fucking bullet bourbon. You know what? Actually, I just noticed this is the tattoo edition of the Frontier Whiskey Bullet Bourbon. So the, the, the bottle has, like, I guess what they would consider tattoos, like, all these tribal paintings on them. It's so fucking terrible. I mean, the, the bourbon is really good. Um, if anyone ever wondered what happened to my brother when he drinks a little, here you go. <laughs> he starts oh, talking. You know, you know what, what we forgot to mention also from the previous recording? Hmm. Is that in, in Asheville, apparently, is the hot spot for bachelorette parties, right? Asheville, oh, I, Klaus, remember you yes. told me that that's the spot no, for No, but see, I, I thought you said Nashville originally. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I dropped yeah. that bit of information that Nashville is now the capital for bachelorette parties over Las Vegas. Okay. Because yeah, Klaus said like, oh, it's really important. We should, we should know what have you been doing since the last time we recorded an episode. And then Klaus yes. said, Klaus said he bought a remote control car. And then yes. you said, Natalia, you said that you went to Asheville, you went to like ride your bike. And I said, uh, absolutely fucking nothing. I take care of a baby all goddamn fucking day. I love her, but it's a goddamn pain in the ass. Uh, and that was Ooh, it. Klaus yeah, is so leaving how... messages in his house too and doing time capsules. Oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> I can't believe oh, yeah. that I fucking, I was going to fucking talk about this. So, okay, Klaus, you tell the story about your fucking messages in the walls to the future people. Because I have I, a really good story about this. Go ahead. We, um, we're doing renovation in our house and I like to leave time capsules. So I write messages on the drywall and two by fours, but also I use old pieces of Tupperware and I write letters to people of the future and, you and put I put in weird the, ads and you things put them in, in between the drywall. The drywall, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I urge everyone else to do that and just make someone's day in the future. So maybe while we still have time with this project, I might leave one that says, Egan Bernal will win five <laughs> tours to France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told Klaus in the last episode that the, the message I would leave for people in the future would be, dear future people, I hope you're enjoying your flying cars. Love, dance, call crusher. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just anything. Because imagine if you were doing a renovation in your house and you found someone note that said, like, the neighbors down the street just got, like, a color TV. It's insane. Like, whatever. So what about, what basically... About, what about uh, the neighbor down the street? He's a pedophile. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. 
No, no, no. So I basically just wanted to leave some things that were very specific to the time that would hopefully become dated in a good or interesting way. Are you writing so your letter in English or are you doing a mix between, you know, like same some nice Spanglish there or? No, no, no. I did it in English with the assumption that the people who open it up will be um, English speakers. Because in the future, everybody's going to speak, be speaking either English or Martian. That's it. That's the only two fucking languages. <laughs> okay. So in the spirit yeah. of that story, Beep. I haven't told you guys this, but... And I, this story happened, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, but I'd completely forgotten about it. And then I randomly reading something completely different, it came up and I was like, fuck, this is crazy. So Klaus, I sent you that video, or I sent both of you guys that video of the airplane thing, right? On like the spirit of airplane? sending messages to the future. Um, the, the movie director, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Jackson. Yes, yes, yes. He collects, yes, yes. He collects air, uh, uh, World War I airplanes and he found one in a barn in England. And, and, th and this is not the story. This is another story. But anyway, they were, he was going to, um, what do you call it? When you fix it up and you make it nice again? Uh, re... Reinvent it, redefine it, re... Remodel. Re restore it, restore it. Restore, restore it. Can I restore it? And in one of the wings, rolled up in one of the like pieces of wood in the in the wing, there was a drawing, like a really nice portrait drawing, of a pilot, of a British pilot. So he basically put the photo out there uh, in, in, with along with Adam Savage from uh, MythBusters, and they found who the guy is. It's like a famous Air, Air Force, uh, like Royal Air Force, RAF uh, pilot. I love it. Anyway, anyway, that's not the story. The story that I have is there was a fucking guy in Minnesota uh, tearing a house down. And he gets to this fucking wall, opens it up, and in the wall, there is an Action Comics number one. If you don't know comics, that what? probably doesn't sound like much to you. Action Comics number one is the first fucking Superman appearance ever. This fucking Why comic book put is worth there? millions. Why oh would someone gosh. put it in there? Did that it fall okay. in there? Did they do it on purpose? They must have. Who? How do you lose a fucking comic book between fucking drywall? I know. And it wasn't, and it that, probably wasn't drywall then. But. And that, my dear listeners, is a freaking waka. Yes. <laughs> Wakas were uh, tombs, like, yeah, I guess, to, like, 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 uh, common, whatever. What the fuck do you call those things? Not tombs, but, um, yeah, I guess tombs, whatever. Where you find the sarcophagus and shit, yeah. and you find all the stuff. Well, in, 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 in native Colombians used to do the same thing. It's called a guaca, where they would bury the people with a bunch of shit, and then you find it, and you're like, whoa, with a bunch of, you know, whatever. Anyway, but it's funny because it asshole, used to happen. In the kind of like the people, it's not that they will put it in a tomb or something, but it, people used to hide treasure within the walls of houses, like really, really old houses that will be like the safes for really, really people in the past. So I remember people with the, what whatever the doctors used to to listen to your heart, the stethoscope. Stethoscope, yeah. Going through the walls and knocking in them, trying to see, <laughs> to hear if there oh was like God. something in there. It was hilarious. I mean, guaca hunting is a thing. 
or was a thing at some point. <laughs> like people finding shit in between the walls. So everyone listening, just keep in mind that the winner of the Tour de France has a mom and dad who probably did this at some point. <laughs> Like, Americans are out there with metal detectors on the beach. Colombians are tapping, hoping to find a hollow thing on a house that someone put, like, some coins in. Tell me which one's fucking dumber. But, so, wait, but wait, wait, wait. Not sure. Superman asshole in Minnesota, the fucking story is not over. The shithead has fucking Action Comics number one, whatever, puts it up for auction. I don't know, fucking whatever amount, shit tons amount of money he got for it. He keeps going with his demolition. He finds what Superman he find? number 12, which is the first no. appearance of fucking Lex Luthor. Yeah. In the same house. This. What? How does fucking. Okay. Do you know who St. Anthony is? Or was Anthony... St. Anthony is the patron of? Is it the, yeah, the, isn't he, that the one that gets things, people right? married? No. No. St. Anthony is the guy that. Um, is, is is the he's the what do you call that the patron of everything lost of things that are lost oh that's who you pray so to actually you lose. excuse me klaus your brother-in-law your wife's brother yeah, eric yeah. dressed as saint anthony for one of our halloween parties and he was fucking hilarious he yeah. put a hole in a sheet and he put it over mm-hmm. his head so he basically looked like he had a, like a, a ruana made out of a sheet and then to it attached keys and the remote, all the <laughs> shit, things the shit that you randomly lose. <laughs> he was like, "What? I'm Saint Anthony." Anyway, Saint Anthony, that's the fucking saint that like blessed this asshole's life. Like Saint Anthony. I was about to say, oh, this lost guy comic books. Saint yep, Anthony. I got him right here, bitch. Asshole. Well, I future owners of the house that we live in will not find anything that valuable. Ah, uh, your letter is valuable, Klaus. Come yes. on. You don't know the letter, and I put a bunch of weird uh, ads and like articles and no, things Klaus, in there. You know what you need to do? Funny comments. Go to the fucking yeah. nearest comic book store and or Walmart, and then just buy any comic book. It doesn't matter what the fuck. And just put it in there, yeah. and I'm sure it's gonna be worth absolutely nothing. But nothing, yeah, absolutely. Because then everyone, yeah, it's you know what it, you should do. Never be the same. Oh, oh, oh! I know what you have to do. Do the thing with mm. the comic book. Buy the comic book, but then print out the story about the guy in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. Oh yeah, with, and then just put it in there. <laughs> like like yeah, here's your you retirement fund. So future jerk. I'll tell you another good comic book story that has nothing to do with absolutely anything, but who gives a shit? Um, so the very first comic book I ever bought was because Aaron Rosado, who my brother obviously remembers, he was the bass player for our yep. very first band. He who now works at a retirement community for old folks home in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, well, there you go. Good for him, but... <laughs> so he got me into comic books, whatever, and he told me like, if you want to start comic books, collecting comic books right now, you should you should uh, start collecting X Men. But X Men is about to get like relaunched, and X Men number one and then X Force number one are gonna come out, and it's gonna be great. So the first comic book I ever bought was X Force number one in 1991. I bought that. 
um, and it ended up being the second best-selling comic book of all times. Five million copies were sold. X-Men number one, eight million copies, is the number so one. So both worthless. Is the, so, you know, how long has it been? It's 2019 right now, 2000, you know, 1991, whatever the fuck, how many years that is. Um, a couple of years ago, not a couple of years, a couple of months ago, I was at a comic book store and I was like, you know what? I should look up like X-Force number one. You know, the first comic book I ever bought, I might as well just own it again. I, at some point I threw it away, whatever, I don't know. I look for it in the, in the, you know, in the little boxes and stuff, nothing. I go up to the dude in the front. He's like, oh, I'm looking for X-Force one and I, X-Force number one and you guys don't have it in the thing. He's like, oh, it's in the quarter bin over there. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> so originally I paid two ninety five for it. <laughs> My second time around, I bought a I bought it for a quarter. <laughs> oh my god! Ironworks shit. Actually, not true, but uh, most of them, ninety nine point nine percent of them ironworth shit. <laughs> I feel that we need to give a name to the bottle that he's drinking from. Because it sounds like a tiny little being making noises on your head, <laughs> which is but hilarious. It's not tiny. No, no, I, don't, I, I like it. Down. I like it, but we should name it. You like it's to name things, so just give it a well, name. Give it a name. So my friend Claudine brought this with her when she came to visit me, like about a year ago, and the bottle's been sitting in her liquor cabinet since. I mean, me and her did a good, a good fucking bunch of it, and it was maybe about half the bottle. Now there's like. Maybe a quarter of that, but um, now that we're packing and stuff, we were like, we took out all the liquor that we had out, and we basically threw everything out except for the a couple of like unsealed wine bottles and the whiskey. We were gonna throw it out. I mean, the bourbon. And I was like, no, I'll I'll drink the bourbon at some point. And it's been out there for like a week. And I know my wife has just been like, it's just a matter of time before I grab that and put it in the fucking garbage where it belongs. So I just grabbed it tonight, brought it down here in the basement. And uh, God damn, dude. Especially when you don't drink liquor very often. Damn, I'm fucking drunk. Ah, it's awesome. Gotta love it. We Friday cannot night. tell. We cannot tell that's the case. So we were pretty hyped on Monday and super excited about, ah, oh, yeah, Tour de France, bring on La Vuelta, I'm going to watch cycling all day long now. Is yeah! that still true? <laughs> How will you feel now on a Friday? Are you excited about the Vuelta? Dude, I'm fucking, ex I'm, I'm not excited about anything right now. I'm like so fucking stressed. My life, this move sucks. Selling a house buying a house if anybody's ever done either of those things which i know you both of you guys have god damn with the yeah. closing and the fucking appraisals and the fucking lawyers and the fucking this and that and the clean the fucking gutters and the what about i'm the three gym? houses in now yeah exactly it's just fuck fuck my life man isn't it fucking bad enough that you're asking me for hundreds of thousands of dollars just fucking take the goddamn money and shut the fuck up no everything's gotta be a whole thing so Anyway, um, I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot that what that was about. What my rant was. If you're excited about La Vuelta. Oh, the Vuelta. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cycling so in I haven't, Honestly, I haven't had time to think about much of anything cycling-related. However, today I checked the... I always check Formula One news in the morning. It's, you know, it, it, for, I mean, if you think... I love cycling, but Formula One is like an addiction. You know, people are like, oh, I love ice cream. 
but I'm addicted to cocaine. That's how it is. <laughs> cocaine for me is Formula One. That's not a fucking addiction. I enjoy cycling. I can't live without Formula One. So uh, anyway, I was like checking the, the, the Formula One news today. And uh, right next to my bookmark for Formula One is cycling news. So the cycling news thing came up instead of the Formula One one. And I was just reading. I was like, oh, my God, that's right. There's one more Grand Tour. And I actually got really excited about it because, like, Miguel Angel Lopez is going to be there. And I think Superman Lopez winning, even though I really don't like him as a person, I think he's a little bit of a Naira Quintana, Nairo Quintana type person. He's kind of, like, not very likable. Um I was actually excited. I'm like, oh my god! And like, Chavez is gonna be there. That's gonna be fun. Like, I don't know. I got excited. I got excited about the, the the Vuelta, and I'm actually a little excited even about the World Championships. Is that really that bad? Am I being totally <laughs> stupid? No, no, no. It's way more exciting than the rest of the fucking Formula One season. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no way! What are you talking about? Lando Norris is getting upgrades. <laughs> actually klaus you and i need to have a conversation offline about yeah. some formula one stuff it's oh jesus yeah, anyway lots klaus, of are you there. excited about the vuelta and yeah but the same as every year the vuelta like i just i normally don't i can't keep up even though i'm super excited and it ends up being like the best of the year but then i kind of like zone out at some point so we'll see but if do you zone out of the do you also zone out of the giro i don't i think it's just earlier in the season i don't know i i it, it, i remember discussing this very clearly uh in the podcast before about which one's better the vuelta or the giro because i think we all agree that the, the tour is the weakest but um i i tend to go for the Vuelta a lot. I I think the Giro is crazier. Like, some of the stages in the Giro is like, there's 97 feet of snow. Oh, my God. But the Vuelta as a competition tends to be a lot closer and just, I, I don't know. I And then I remember bringing up Ezequiel Mosquera in that Vuelta with, I don't know if you remember this class, but... We put it out there and somebody told us what year it was. And it was, I thought it was like 2008 and it was like 2002 yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. It's like way yeah, off. Yeah. But there was so, there's been so many Vueltas that have been just so good. I mean, even the one that fucking asshole Horner won. Like, just so many good Vueltas. Like, the Vuelta, like, excites me still. Regardless of where it is in the season. What about you, Natalia? Uh, I think I'm... Yeah, a little bit excited, not too crazy about it, because I just think that topping the Tour de France is going to be hard, you know, like now that that level of excitement. That for once the the Tour was that exciting. For once, yeah, yeah, for (laughs) once the Tour was exciting. So I don't know, I have like high expectations for Grand Tours now. Because usually what happens is like the tour was super boring and then you see something remotely exciting in La Vuelta and you go like, yeah, 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 I'm coming back again. But now I don't know if it's going to be, man, it's boring. (laughs) No, I think think the the Vuelta always delivers. The Vuelta is just a crazy, unpredictable ride. Very similar to the Giro without 97 feet of snow. Okay. They just have 97 centimeters of snow. Of snow. That's about it. You guys, another thing that I want to mention, what's up with Denzel Washington's 
Fin. <laughs> See, Natalia is so weird. She brings up these things out of nowhere. Denzel Washington's pinky is a very troubling thing, and you're being too nonchalant about it, just bringing it up willy-nilly. I was, another thing I would like to bring up is cancer. To anyone wondering, just look up Denzel Washington pinky and be amazed. We had to end in a high note, man. There you I'm go. Crying, dude. After saying that pretty Wait, much you everything ending? sucks. There is none higher. <laughs> I'm not ending anything. And Natalia, actually, speaking of ending, uh, it has nothing to do with ending. But what did you think about that fucking, uh, what is the name of the women's day? Uh, La Tap, right? La Cours. La Cours, not La Tap, but La Cours. What did you think? I mean, last year's was fucking amazing. Oh, that ending from last year's is hard oh. to Yeah, it's hard to eat. I mean, that, that ending from last year, and I think I said it when it happened, is one of the best endings that I've ever seen to a cycling race in my life. Professional, not professional, men, not men. Yeah. yeah fucking yeah. like UCI, non-UCI, tricycles, whatever the fuck. God, that was a good race. But this, yeah, this year... One- this year wasn't as exciting, but it was pretty good. It was pretty right? good, but it was kind of like a mute point because before the race, so Marianne Vos is back to her winning days. So at the beginning of, before the race, everyone's saying, yeah, that parkour is just favoring just Marianne, Marianne Vos. Vos. She's going to win it. And guess what happens? But <laughs> they race didn't for you think two or for so just hours. a little bit? Didn't you think yeah. for like just a split second that Amanda Pratt was going to win it though? No, I, I, I mean... No, oh, like, I just did. by I was just by look, just by watching the races before that and just seeing how freaking strong Voss was and I seeing know, that the ending was dude. that little uphill that she just can't just destroy everybody going. Granted, but like even, even is, when you watch when you watch Flesh Alone, right? And somebody launches an attack hmm. and they're like five hundred meters. You're like, 500 meters, that's nothing. Oh, come on, dude, you're going to do it. Except those 500 meters take like nine minutes. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> but that's how it was with her. I was like, oh, my God, she's going to fucking do it. Oh, my God, they just turned left. Oh, she's starting the fucking clock. That's it. That, that's it. What? 800 meters? Yeah. Oh, my God, she has it. Oh, my God, yes. She finished like 90 seconds. <laughs> fucking I know. Lost destroyed her in the end. I really, I was hoping. I was just really, really praying. I think she's fucking awesome. She's an amazing teammate. She's done so much fucking. I know that everybody else in the team has as well, but she has sacrificed yeah. so much for fucking Van Vleuten that it would have been just so awesome for her to get that. I just. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, I was, I was rooting for, for her. her. I was rooting for her, but yeah, I didn't think that Vos was going to let that happen Beatable. So. yeah that was kind of that's that that's the reason why it was kind of a, anticlimactic for me what happened last year is that i thought like nah man i know the bragging has this and then when you know like anemic just kept closing and closing it's like holy shit holy shit is it happening is it happening like, oh my gosh you know like <laughs> you and was, everybody else in the yeah. fucking world yeah it's yeah, just yeah. amazing that that if people haven't watched it the first time i'd recommend that you watch it last year Fucking it was really that. good. And the whole it race really, was really good because really you had like moments most... of exciting the whole time. 
People like I just that realized and then being called and attacking again. Yeah, it was really good. This is the longest podcast ever. Because it's going to be a special edition that you people are ha are going yeah. to have to enjoy because God knows when uh, we are going to do this again, if ever. Yeah, because so. we're almost at two hours. Think about this. Normally, the super fans are like, dude, you guys should have made it longer, man. Like, now only they'll see hour. why that was never When we were true. trying to reduce it, to 45 minutes. Dude, come on. You guys got to do 40, dude, 45 minutes. That's not enough. You guys got to make it longer. Got to make Who's going to listen to this podcast? Only no the one. hardcore fans. Oh, I remember saying this last time we recorded too. The only way or not, not the only way, but we will I will start the podcast again if if this episode is the most downloaded episode we've ever had. Which is impossible. Well, I will tell you this. The, the, the episode that we have that, we've, that, that has had the, the most downloads ever was the episode where my wife was a guest. <laughs> and she's oh, never going to let me forget this. Did you guys know that? Did I tell you that before? I think so. Like time. 28 times, my darling. But continue. Ah, you know what, Natalia? <laughs> I don't need your shit. Well, tell you what, guys, I have to go pack for a trip, so. Yeah, no, we have. Ooh, I have to. Fancy. I got to pack. No, 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 move. no. It's not fancy. It's a car trip. It's not fancy. It's not an airplane trip. <laughs> car trips aren't fancy? No, of course not. What if you go to Las Vegas to, like, you know, to stay at the, I don't know, some fancy hotel that I don't no, know in Las no, Vegas? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. It's nothing like that. You're not going to no. Vegas? I have to go pack my remote control cars. <laughs> oh. For real. I'm serious. I'll tell you guys. Oh, really? oh wait, you're going to a race? Are you racing these things now? No. No, 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 no. Leisure. Exhibition show, man. No, That's... no, 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 no. I just take them with me because I like to play with them. That's all. <laughs> so you're going somewhere. It's not a hotel then, because where are you gonna fucking it's race? Airbnb. It's Airbnb. So it's an Airbnb, which means it's a vacation, but it's not a fancy vacation. Kinda. Yeah. No. So budget. And budget. he's taking budget. his okay, Klaus, cars with him. Give us, mm. give us ten guesses as to the state that you're going. All right. Ready? I'm going to go for That's Oregon. That's easy because I can only drive so far away, and if I drive in one direction, I fall off the country. <laughs> Montana. Canada, Vancouver. <laughs> so wait, you California. said California. Nevada. Not California. Arizona. Not Arizona. Colorado. Not Colorado. Fuck me. North Dakota. No. South Dakota. Oregon. Yes, Oregon. Oh, <gasps> Boring. I'm already fucking taking a nap. Oregon. What is that? There's no Las Vegas in Oregon. It's beaches there. In Oregon. Beach. But is prostitution legal in Oregon? No. No? Bunch no. of fucking liberals they are. Fuck them. <laughs> like, and this hey, is what man, happens when my brother peace. drinks. Everything is awesome, dude. We love you. Yeah, everybody, come over here. Yeah, prostitution is illegal because a woman should not be able to fucking do whatever the fuck she wants with her body. Uh, and, okay. And with that, uh, maybe any, we should anyone. wrap it up. You have abortion on one hand and you have prostitution on another one. Weigh them. All right? Think about it. Woman, power, body. 
You should run for presidential for the presidential <laughs> election, man. That, Apparently, that I'm be the only motherfucker that doesn't, that hasn't. There's like yeah. 97,433 fucking candidates running for fucking president. <laughs> and they are sprouting every day. One more is joining the race. So <laughs> if I if I could, if I would have been born in the United States, I'd be running for president right now. And I'll tell you why. Oh, I man. would win. You know why? Because I'm the only motherfucker that could up, put up. I, I would be able to stand in front of fucking Donald Trump and be like, <laughs> you fucking idiot. And he would start saying like in the debate, ha, 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 ha. And I'd be like, hashtag shut the fuck up, motherfucker. And everybody like, beep, 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 beep. There'll be all these beliefs I think, and stuff. I and think like Samuel Lee Jackson owns that hashtag. hashtag what? No? Yeah. Shut the fuck up, motherfucker. <laughs> I think ah, so. he would lend it to me. I have to go right. pack. Okay, okay, Klaus, go pack. Go pack. Bye, Klaus. Have a good trip. Natalia and I are gonna stick around. Okay, let me. Okay. <laughs> Till we finish that goddamn bourbon. <laughs> okay, do that. I gotta fucking do it. Dude, if I finish this bourbon, I'll die of alcohol poisoning. Ciao, Klaus. He just went, man. Man. No, he had, he had actually. Person. He told me. He told me that Jeez. he had to fucking leave earlier. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's yeah, he fine. told me he had to go. <clears throat> I'm looking at my notes to see if there's anything we missed. Oh, yeah. What parts of the of the tour did you cry? We talked about this last time. I cried with the national anthem that is Kryptonite for me when I'm outside of Colombia and I hear the thing play, especially if it's because somebody wants something big. So I cried with that. I got emotional. I got emotional when these two dudes won the double championships at uh, Wimbledon. I was going to ask you about the that. tennis. Did you cry? Yeah, I... I hmm? Did you cry then? Yeah, I, not, not, not the same way that I cried with Egan's win, but yeah, I got emotional when they went, were there. and yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, riddle me this. Have you ever been in Colombia when the national... Anthem place. Have you cried there? No, no. That's what I'm telling you. It's like kryptonite, but it only hits me if I'm outside Colombia. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Same here. Because I've been there a couple of times when the national team, when the national soccer team, has won stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, it's been amazing. It's been awesome. It's super fun, but it's never like yeah. I think there has to be a little bit of like I miss thing. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely cried during the National Anthem as well. Anything else? Any other point? No, that's it. I, I got a little bit emotional when he crossed the line the on Saturday. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. So, yeah. Well, After did you how see many the, years of did you see his waiting for it to happen? <laughs> his interview after that interview, after that stage, made me cry. Because he started okay. to cry. He was, like, talking, and he, like, went down and started crying. And I started crying. And that one was actually really funny because I was in the middle of trying to get my daughter to go to sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm watching it because I thought, well, all right, so the stage is over. It's time to, you know, put her to sleep. So I put her to sleep and I'm wearing headphones. <clears throat> and I have the laptop on like the little chair in her in her nursery. So I'm like, you know, like, stroking her back you know like really calmly and stuff and she's like falling asleep and everything's really calm and we have the little noise maker stuff that like makes it like the rain noise and stuff whatever everything's really calm and stuff and i'm just looking 
you know, they're interviewing this person and they're interviewing that, whatever. And then they start interviewing him and I'm just watching and stuff. And his English is just so good, which is already touching to begin with. And then he starts crying and I'm just like, <laughs> I start tearing up. And I'm like, <laughs> and my daughter, whose eyes were just fully closed up until then, she just opens her eyes and just stares at me, <laughs> just like judging me, like, what the fuck is your problem, asshole? You're my father. It's just sports. Big fucking deal. Get a, She's just looking. Get a grip of yourself, like piercing, judgy eyes. It was wonderful, but I definitely <laughs> did tear up. Well, what? now <laughs> you have to tell movie. her that the day that happened, you actually like cried, and she comforted you with her judgmental eyes. <laughs> well, you know, we've been talking about like uh, time capsules and stuff, and when we originally recorded on Monday, I I, I brought this up as well that. We did, um, or I did, a time capsule for her for her first birthday. So everybody like wrote notes for her and whatever. We're gonna open it when she turns 15. So there's like a <gasps> front page of the newspaper that day, and you know just notes from people, and just different fucking things, whatever. And um, I put it in there that uh, um, you know, the Tour de France is coming up, and there's this guy Egan Bernal in. By by the time you open this, you're gonna know if he won or not or whatever. So, oh my god, that's so cool! The whole thing was just kind of like weird that I'm like sitting there watching this guy basically realize that he just won the Tour de France, and I'm like trying to get my daughter to sleep. And I, I posted this on my uh, Instagram. Like she had to wait 13 months to see the first Colombian win the Tour de France. I had to wait 452 months. <laughs> To see the same thing, like, oh, how is this even fair? She doesn't even like cycling. She doesn't even know what a bicycle I is. Know. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was, it was. So that, that definitely, that interview got me. It really, really got me because not necessarily because of who was saying what he was saying, but just the fact that it's, it's, it's deep it's when you see when you see the person experiencing it break down. Yeah, then it's just, and I forget also it. that it finally happened. You know, like after. After getting all excited with Quintana and well, thought I we mean, had fuck it, Quintana. Then Honestly, this I mean, guy I, just, just pulls you know, I like, was, ah. and I think I said this when we originally recorded on Monday. I, for me, it's not even. I mean, Nato Quintana can lick my balls. He's a bleep. <laughs> He's, you know, he had like what five years <laughs> chance to win it. I'm talking about the first fucking time. I followed the Tour de France was in 1985. I listened to some stages in 1984 and I kind of mm. followed it in the news in 1984, but I don't count that. 1985 was the first fucking tour that my brother and I actually followed it stage by stage. And ever since, 1985, again, fuck my math, I don't know what the fuck that is, but that's many years. I've been fucking waiting for this moment and I thought for a long time, Lucio Herrera is going to win the Tour de France. Nope. Fabio Parra is going to win the Tour de France, right? He got the fucking podium in 86, 87, I don't know, whatever. Oh, this is going to happen. Then Victor Hugo Peña, like Santiago Botero, who we talked about when we recorded on Monday. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's no fucking way. We're ever going to fucking win this shit. And then when Rigoberto Urán started writing for Cas de España, that is now Movistar, I thought, maybe this guy will fucking win the Tour de France for fucking... Nope. 
Nairo Quintana comes like, yeah, hey, all right, bleep. And then he just goes away. Fuck him. It, it's, it's just amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, it's been 34 years. What, how many? 34 years. 34 years. If I would have fucked somebody the first stage of the very first Tour de France <laughs> that I ever followed, my son or daughter would be 34 year, 35 years old, whatever, today. How old were you? <laughs> Dude, it's not even possible. Uh, no, well, I'm not going to get too personal. But okay. around the same time, things were starting to happen. Okay. You know what I mean? I Actually, know what you mean. I remember exactly the house that we were living in because my brother and I used to have to, we used to wake up really early, you know, set up the alarm at 4.30 in the morning when the, when the radio transmission started for, for the tour. And, but my parents' bedroom was right next door to ours, right? Like right next to ours. So I, I, so I, that's why I remember it's the only house that we ever lived in where my parents' bedroom was like, we had like sharing walls. We shared a wall. So we had to like keep it really quiet. So the radio was never very loud. So because I know exactly which house we were in, I know exactly which friends we had in the neighborhood. And they were the friends that like introduced me to porn. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I could have produced a child then yet, but, but I'm but. just saying. <laughs> if I would have made, let's say that, Around those days, I made love to cycling. And my son okay. of cycling <laughs> is 34 years old now. My cycling <laughs> child is... <laughs> Your cycling child. <laughs> Natalia, how old is your cycling child? <laughs> when you, How long ago did you make love to cycling for the first time? <laughs> I think I ever have. <laughs> Ooh, you're a cycling virgin. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> the 40-year-old cycling virgin. <laughs> the, worst, <laughs> the worst movie ever made. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the 40-year-old cycling virgin. <laughs> I know. You know, you said that the podcast, this podcast wasn't funny. I think it is. <laughs> it just became funny. I think it's funny. And the two-hour mark became fucking funny. Yeah, no. Finally, we got it going. <laughs> I should fucking go back to the beginning and be like, if you don't think this is funny, just skip to the two-hour mark. It's fucking hilarious. You see, it picks up. Believe us, <laughs> and whoever made it this far, I salute you. You, yeah. And go make love to cycling. I just, <laughs> I just remember something else that Klaus, that we recorded on, on, on Monday, had, uh, <laughs> where I said that uh, a long time ago, I went back to Colombia and I was... Um, at the time, I was like kind of obsessed with uh, Panini sticker albums. I have all the ones <clears throat> from the World Cup all the way back to 1978. Um, 
like collected by me and everything, whatever, whatever. In the U.S., they're hard to find and stuff. So I have a bunch of cycling ones as well. And I was looking specifically for the 1987 one. So when I went back to Colombia at some point, I don't know, in the 90s, late 90s or early 2000s, I don't remember. Um, I said that, um, I asked my friend, like, hey, dude, do you know where I could maybe find one of these like sticker albums from the from the late 80s excuse me and my friend was like oh yeah yeah you gotta go to this one dude whatever whatever so all the way up 116th and 19th avenue i get over there and there's a guy sells used books and stuff whatever like it's kind of like a street vendor kind of dude but i'm like hey i'm 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 looking for these um you know sticker album 1987 cycling sticker album he was like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the year that uh, Luchorera won the Tour de France. That's actually the year that Luchorera won the Vuelta España. No Colombian had won the Tour de France, obviously. And the guy in the stall next to him goes, "That's that year. That's not the year he won the Tour de France, man. He didn't win the Tour de France in '87. A Colombian is never gonna win the Tour de France. And this whole fucking time when." Egan Bernal was so close the whole fucking time. I just kept thinking about this fucking one asshole, dude. It was like, a Colombian is never going to win the Tour de France. Yelling at his other dude, who obviously is a fucking moron, because he thinks Luchorera won the Tour de France. Fucking idiot. But, who's the fucking idiot at the end of the day? This dude said, a Colombian is never going to win the Tour de France. 2019, Let's say that this was in 1999 when I went there. It's 20 years. 20 years later, in your face, asshole. Guess what? A Colombian wins the Tour de France. Boom. Wherever you are. Fucking A. Yep. I went to Colombia that one time with, with my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, you know, she lives in the New York City area now, and uh, or last I heard. And now that I'm moving back, I wonder if I could, like, hook up with her. <laughs> no, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't mean, like, hook up, hook up. I mean, like, meet up with her again. Connect, if you will, mm-hmm. with her again. Be like, hey, do you remember this exchange? She'd be like, uh, yeah, I didn't speak Spanish then. I don't speak Spanish now. Fuck off. <laughs> So maybe not. <laughs> that that bourbon is funny. Mm. <laughs> this is like the oh. fourth person in the podcast today. <laughs> hey, bourbon, is there anything you'd like to say? <laughs> uh, Do you like bur- cycling, bourbon? Uh, <laughs> Are you excited about the West España, bourbon? <laughs> It's funny when when you're so used to drinking beer like that. Obviously, it's my drink of choice. It's really weird when you drink something with this high alcohol content on it. That it really it gets you fast. It, it just hits you like a fucking locomotive. It's it's it, it's not necessarily that it hits you fast. You know when it's happening, and you know the speed that it's at. So you, your hands are kind of ready to stop the locomotive. But once you're going, it's just like, you're just fucking going. 
I love it's it though. Making I... love inertia, man. Like, exactly. That's exactly what this going. motherfucker. Yeah. It, so it's there's a lot there of inertia. There is this drink in this bottle. I don't know if you have. Well, this is a fruity drink, so I doubt that you have tried it. But you can buy it in gas stations, and the name has the word "loco" on it. I just don't remember oh, the full tres name loco. of the thing. No, not tres loco, but four loco. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. And there tres is loco, this thing. Tres loco is a is a band. That's that's not it. But yeah, yeah. For local. Yeah, 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 okay. So the thing, the watermelon flavor, it tastes like, I don't know, soda. And uh, <laughs> my husband got it. And I thought like, oh, let's see. It's a little bit of, you know, like manzana posto on. And then I take a sip or two. It's like, woo, this tasty. Man, 10 minutes later, and I was like dancing El Meneito all over the house. I was like, wow. El Meneito. So... You know, oh. actually, to to the listeners, I thought, shit, I'm moving back to the fucking East Coast. This is so goddamn amazing. Like the place where I met met my now wife, and when we were over there buying a house, we went back to like the our favorite restaurant there. We drove by the place where we had our first date, and we drove by the place we had our first kiss. So it was all these great memories, and it was so it was so nice. And then I was like, oh my god, we're gonna be so much closer to Natalia. And then I Googled it. <laughs> We're actually farther away. <laughs> We're farther away from you now. <laughs> it was, a, I, I was really bummed. I was really bummed. I thought like, oh yeah, Natalia is going to be fucking awesome. Nobody listening to this, unless you know Natalia personally, of course, knows that Natalia's husband is fucking amazing he's the fucking nicest <laughs> motherfucker in the world you want to be around him all the time yeah not that it would ever come to this but if it did you would probably punch natalia out of the way in order to hang out with her <laughs> husband and and, and i, I thought like yeah it. fuck yeah dude this is oh wait a second <laughs> geography fucking sucks <laughs> fuck geography man I told you, I told you, this freaking town is magical. Yeah, ex- you think you're getting closer to it and... That's exactly what it is. <laughs> the fucking town moves around on you. On that yeah. fucking map. <laughs> oh my gosh. Woo! Man. All right. And so, like I said... Say bye-bye to the people, Bourbon. If... <laughs> if you think that you want to hear the podcast back make this the most listened to ever episode how are you going to do that I don't fucking know I don't give a shit but if you think that I mean if you want us to come back then you have to make this the most downloaded episode ever at two hours and whatever 17 minutes or whatever it is so Natalia Anything else you want to say? No, people. Just remember your homework. Go and make love to cycling. (laughs) Make love to cycling. And bottle of bourbon. Anything else you want to say? (laughs) All right. I agree with you. Fuck Trump. All right. That's it. We're out of here. Peace. Kule, 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 kule,
何でも欲しがるくれくれたこらチョンボをおともにしたこらさ今日は森の運動会くれくれ優勝カップが欲しいのよ優勝カップが欲しければリレー競争で勝たねばならぬさていよいよスタートだよいありゃ水鉄砲とは驚いた。